Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Northeast Scene Podcast. This is Keith. And Tommy. It's Monday night. You know what that means. Another episode of the Northeast Scene. You ask, we deliver. <laughs> actually, I don't know if anyone's actually asking, but no. we're going to keep delivering. No, people are not. People have said some really nice stuff recently, and I'm very, very, like excited because people are saying nice things and i'm like okay so we're headed in the right direction and the one thing i keep getting from people is like it sounds so good like it sounds better than other podcasts how do you guys do it and i'm like all right ask keith I don't <laughs> well that you know what that's a perfect segue there's something i want to talk about right up front all right you ready for this yes all right now Doing any kind of creative project with anyone, whether it be a friend or a family or just a random person you meet off Craigslist, there's bound to be some kind of difficulty to overcome, right? 100%. You see where I'm going with this? Oh, yeah. Now, <laughs> when, I, when when we start, you and I have never been in any kind of fight ever. I like. I think we had two really minor things, which were which were just stupid. You know, um, they were just... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like nothing big. One time I was like really self-conscious about my posture or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I think I like... I don't I don't even remember. It was... It, it and was my... Something. You know what, though? That was something I did it at... Like, because it was like, you know, how we are with stuff like that. Especially, you know, it's like me, you, and Doug, and, and everybody hanging out. We're breaking balls. Like, we're, you know, giving each other a hard time. And I knew as soon as I said something, I hit a nerve. And I was like, fuck, I didn't mean to, like say something because you were like super you could tell that like that that kind of cut to the core i was like the air changed in the room yeah it wasn't it was definitely not cool and i remember i i who was there when i said it i I think it was doug but when we were out later that night we're at the bar and they were like yo did did you make fun of him for that on purpose and i was like i was just teasing him like because like that's what we do and He's like, yeah, that's a big deal. I was like, I didn't, I didn't know that. <laughs> I no, because I used to look so fucked up all the time that I, I was desperate to, in my mind, to think that I looked great all the time, and I, I would stand crooked. I still do sometimes. I was, I was in in the park with some friends the other week, and they're like, "Oh, you're doing like the the teenager standing slumped over thing." And in my head, I'm like, "Oh, fuck." <laughs> so I like, so I'm always trying to like make myself stand up straight because I'm tall too. Like yeah, I'm, you I'm, are. Yeah, how, t- how six, tall? Are you? Six, six three, six four, six two. Okay. So I, I, you know, I don't want to be like old and really. I don't want to be old and really slumped over. So I try to stand up straight. But anyway, let me let me circle back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I knew when we started doing this thing, eventually there was going to be some kind of disagreement, and I, I just didn't want it to happen because we're really good friends. We are. We're really close. <laughs> we, we don't are, argue. We, we don't like. We don't get into arguments that we don't have great difficulties to overcome, but to pull back the curtain a little bit, the the one thing we have trouble with with this podcast is technical difficulties. And, and I Tommy's technical difficulties. No, no. <laughs> now I, I have them too, so I, I'm not putting it all on you, but I imagine this is the case with, with any podcast. So to deliver the same quality show that we want every week and make it sound good. That was a huge sticking point with me. Okay. I wanted it to sound good. I wanted it to sound professional because so many times so many times people recommend podcasts and then I listen to them and it's like they recorded it with the the voice recorder thing on their iPhone. Yeah, and I'm it's, out. I'm a, I'm I'm out. When I hear low quality like that, I'm out instantly. Yeah, and I hear it and I'm like, 
people listen to this? Yeah. Like, I, this is what everyone's making a big deal about? And then conversely, when I hear stuff that's well-produced, like, um, you know, that that one that we were talking, Shit Town, the, the yes. This American Life one? I yes. was hooked immediately because of the way they fade in and fade out. They're, the way they use quotes, I'm like, dude, this is fucking, somebody really thought this through. This is so smartly done, and it's clever, and it sounds good. Like yeah, that. they're like that's like the there that comes from the folks who make this American Life. That's like the top podcast or it's like one the gold, of them. It's the gold standard, and if you're talking about like that kind of like reporting, that storytelling, yes, that shit is. It's if you haven't ever checked that shit out, check it out. Like, yeah. all right, circle back because I'm gonna lose it. Yeah. I'm talking about <laughs> so, shit town. Sorry. So we had some technical difficulties to work through over the past few weeks, and I. I got pissed because I, I just, I'm a baby. I want everything to be ready to go and I want to do it. And I just don't want to have to deal with anything because I can't handle any kind of adversity in life or otherwise. I just crumble. <laughs> <laughs> I completely crumble. So, so t- I'm texting Tommy and let me, let me ask you a question, Tommy. When, when we have those conversations, do I come off like a real dick in the text? Like, are you like, oh man, this, this is bad. Hold up. Let me can I let me pull the text up. Let me just look at it. Hold on. Because I'll No, tell don't you. read it. Don't read it. Because <laughs> I'll don't read, read it. in my head I'm going, okay. So uh no. Um at first it came across like you were concerned. Yeah. And then your concern kind of turned to you need to fix this. And I was like, oh, it's not concern. He's pissed. <laughs> like he's, <laughs> he's just mad. <laughs> like but yeah. I I think the way I mean, the way I responded to it was kind of like, yo, I I do this podcast at, you know, I walk downstairs in my basement, I plug in my computer, I plug in my headphones, I log on, I talk for however many hours we talk for, and I walk the fuck away. Yes. So it, it, it's huge for Keith when he, these technical issues come up because it ends up costing him on his time, like on his end, hours and and not like, oh, like an extra hour, like seven to 10 hours extra of editing because I can't figure out what this fucking buzzing noise is in my house. Yeah. And I didn't realize that was a problem until recently because everything worked out one week and there was no background noise yep. and I can fly through the editing. It's fucking beautiful. Like, yeah, but, I, I need that. I want that. But, yeah. but let me say this. I'm asking because I'm, I'm checking myself because I, I've been told I can be angry and I can come off angry. And I don't want that. Like, I don't want to be sending you these texts and you thinking, wow, this guy's a dickhead. I don't want to do the show with him. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No, I actually. So when um, when you sent the first text, I think part of it was uh, like the context of it was it was early when you sent that text. It was 745 or eight o'clock in the morning, right? Like it was the next day. Yes. And I was like. I'm in the middle of like, I'm in homeroom. Like I'm literally sitting virtually in a classroom, like, you know, monitoring 29 kids. So like when I looked at it, I mean, I, I read the text, but I, I didn't really think much of it. And then when I saw the series of them and it was like, oh, he texted me last night and he texted me this morning. Oh, and they're all about the sound. I'm like, oh shit. Like, all right, hold <laughs> up. And I think then I started kind of putting them together because I was in the mindset of like, I'm doing work. So like, I, it, exactly. didn't, it didn't kind of register with me that you were like really upset. And then when I, I did, I was like, okay, yeah. Like, all right, you know what? Here's the thing. I'm costing you literally hours and hours of your time. And you're somebody that 
you're regimented with things like this. You, you take, quadriculado. Yeah, quadriculado, dude. You take shit like this very seriously. You're graph paper. And to the <laughs> point, like you even mentioned it on the like I we did you mention on the last one or was that with just you and I talking? When the you were Excel saying sheet? Yeah, the Excel sheet. Like, yeah. The podcast is in there too. Everything. Yeah. So so here's the thing. You know, I wanna one, I want to make sure I'm not coming off as a dick. And two, I have to work on taking a pause and better timing. Because I, I figure this shit out and then I text you right away and I'm probably mad because something didn't work out the way I wanted it to. So so we talked during the day and I, I go to extremes. Like I always go to extremes. I'm like in my mind I'm like, well we have to end the podcast because we just can't figure this out and, and that's it. So so, you know, as the day went on, I ate, I drank some coffee, I got some work done, I had some time to like stop freaking out. And then we talked, and I'm glad we did, because we we came to an agreement, folks, that we're just, one, we're making this thing work no matter what. Because, Tommy, the show is us. Yeah. Like the, show, the show is us. If there's no guest, it's us. We're, we're, it's us. And I get good feedback about that. People are like, I like the ones where you just, it's just you and Keith talking shit. I'm like, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, was sure? afra- I was afraid to do that, because, I don't know, I'm self-conscious. But, but we agreed we're going to make the show work. No yeah. matter what, that's number one. And number two, the show will not get in the way of our friendship. Because this has happened to me so many times in my life where I get involved with a friend in the band or whatever project, and something goes wrong, and that friendship is pretty much done. I But I knew this from the beginning. Like, even... All right, think back to the hotel room in Philly when we did the first, what, four episodes, right? Yes, yes. Um, I remember you were like, you brought the microphone set up and I was like, wow, dude, you spent a lot of money on this. Do you want me to split it with you? And the first thing you said was no, because if anything ever goes sour, I don't want this to be like a divorce where we have to like spend money on this. And like, you have to like Venmo me and all this other shit. He's like, you were like, this is, we're doing this because we want to do it and it's fun and it's great. Like it's a good time and it's, it's going to keep us occupied, but at the same time, like this can never get in the way of us being friends. And I was like, all right, deal. Like that said that. Yeah. Cause you were so, cause I was like, that's awesome. Keith, Keith, you had like four boxes of microphones and I'm like, Oh my God, he spent a lot of money on this. And I took the train for $7 and, <laughs> and, and used the, the free, free Wawa. Like I had a free coupon for on my phone for free coffee. I'm like, I, I've contributed nothing today. (laughs) No, you showed up and just fucking talk. (laughs) For for I don't mind spending the money and doing. uh, First of all, I like doing everything because I'm a fucking control freak. So that's one. I wouldn't trust anyone else to do the edits or anything else. And number two, it's life or death for me. I I have to be doing something like this for my own sanity and for my own safety. If I had no project no purpose, and I was just sitting around playing video games or some shit, I'd be in big trouble. So oh, I, don't, yeah. I don't mind spending the money to, to get it started. And it's not like starting a band, you know what I mean? I didn't have to go out and spend three, 3K on guitar gear. This was, this was pretty manageable. So, so yeah, we agreed. We're just not going to let shit get in the way. And I've committed to... Yeah, I've realized I'm not helping that much either. Like... Because I'm just so busy. I'm like, you figure it out. And uh, and then, 
that was the yeah. worst part was I did I sat down one night um this was weeks ago I sat down and did a bunch of audacity tests at my house and I turned everything on in my house like air conditioning the whole house fan like everything and then one by one I just turned everything off to figure out where the noise was coming from cuz I can only hear it when I'm re- listening to audacity after the fact I can't hear it while I'm in the moment it just doesn't yeah. show up so yeah. it's <laughs> I thought I isolated it I guess Keith was like, yeah, you got it. It's good. It's totally going to work. And like the next episode, it was fine for like 40 minutes. And you're like, at the end of the episode, it fucking turned on, dude. I'm like, I don't. Well, listen, we're going to figure it all out. We've got, we've got a plan in action. I'm going to help Tommy get everything all set up and it's, and it's all good. And listen, it's not just you. I have, I have problems too. I had problems with my mic in in a few earlier episodes. Shit is going to happen, but we we just have to work through it. I'm so uh, glad you brought this up, dude, because it, it it wasn't like bothering me, but in my head it was, and this is such a kind of like warrior, kind of like dad thing to do, but it bothered me that it bothered you. Like in my head, I'm going like, I know Keith's mad about this. Like, and it's it, on my end, I'm going like, shit, dude, am I like, <laughs> am I making his life a nightmare? Because <laughs> no, no, I was, I'll admit I was getting mad about it, but I'm letting go. I've let go. And it's, it, it's not a resentment. I'm holding on to none of that shit. We're going to fix it. And I'm just, I'm just trying to commit to not being so pissed off about everything in general because even this is a silly example but like i watch like game streamers sometimes oh yeah and the the streamers who are happy and upbeat and just having fun and joking around the whole time are great those are the ones i watch and the ones that are angry and are pissed off and are cursing i turn it off i'm like i can't watch this this like so i i want to use that approach for life too you know i actually this is something i was just thinking about the other day because i've been I don't know why. I guess because we discussed it that one day, but I've been listening to old clips of Artie yeah. on uh on Stern. Yeah. And any of the ones that are like animosity or like the one I, I saw like it came up in the recommended thing on YouTube and it was like Artie quits the Stern show part two. And I was like, I'm not listening to that. Like, <laughs> Cause I don't want to Some he- of those fights are classic though. I see I used to like when Artie or when um when Howard would fight with Jackie, yeah. those were funny to me because Jackie would take it serious for like a split second and then go into some, imp- like, you know, and then Fred would do an impression or something like that. It was always, there was something that kind of lightened the mood, but with the arty ones, it's really not like, I mean, just, I remember listening to it being younger being like, Oh, this is serious. Like this, <laughs> his this- fights always got really scary. Yeah, because he was because he was out of control, and now that we know the whole story, we we know why. Yeah, he was he was legitimately out of control. Like, like that, you hear the guy have a breakdown during this one fight, and he's like, "I just have to leave. I just have to go away. Like, I have to move to Europe for a year or something." <laughs> and I, I I remember having those same exact thoughts. Really? I'm like, yeah, get away from everything. Like, yes, and just thinking, "Oh, I just need a few months to myself, and I just need to not go to work and sit home, and everything's going to be fine." And that that's not. Oh, that's a disaster for you. That's that would... not going to change anything. No, no, you got to fix what's on the inside. Yeah. Well, I think yeah, I'm so glad you brought this up though, because it was it really did like when I started reading the text, I remember I went upstairs. So I can that's one of the really nice things about working at home is I eat lunch with my family. So yes. I'm done teaching at eleven forty five and then I go back to teaching at one o'clock. So from eleven forty five till like two like till one, 
Um, I can run upstairs, can help the, you know, get the baby ready for lunch, can help feed the baby. Um, I can get the girls lunch together. I can sit down and actually eat, like have a real lunch with them. It's really, really nice. But I went upstairs that day and I remember Kelly was like, you're right. I was like, I think Keith's pissed. (laughs) I was like, and she's like, why? And I was like, he sent me a bunch of texts, like, and then the audacity file got fucked up. And he was saying like, the thing that we recorded was fucked because I recorded on my PC because you guys were up in the Poconos and you had the Mac because the girls had to do their work up there and because like, they're still in a virtual school. And she's like, okay, wait, <laughs> what happened? And I was like, I, it's a long story. It's just, that's it's- a, that's another thing. I don't want to fuck up your day. I don't want to make oh, you feel bad yeah. all day like that. That's not cool. And it, it, you know what? It was funny was, uh, I, I really did feel bad. Uh, like I was like, Oh no, Keith's like mad. And I think I had that feeling for the better part of an hour and a half. And then we both were like, yeah, like, look, we'll fix this. This is not a, like, this isn't a thing. Like we'll, we'll work through this. And if we don't, we're going to still be friends. We can't let this fuck up us being friends because I don't really like many people. I don't get along. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I don't get along. Like there's not a lot of people that share the same sense of humor. Like right. I, I, I don't, there's not many people I can share. Like I, I will send random Simpsons quotes to you or God damn it. What was Remember the, you're the man now dog. The, Oh yeah. The original Y T M N D. Yeah. yeah. Like I don't, there's not many people I can share that shit with. And like you and I just bounce shit like that off each other all the time. So it's like, I would miss that more than I would miss the podcast every day of the week. Like that, like the podcast right. is great and it's fun, but being able to have you there all the time. Oh, this is like a heartfelt moment. This is the part. <laughs> this is the part in the TV show where everybody goes, "Oh, <laughs> we're gonna play some uh, soothing music here." Yeah. <laughs> this is the very special episode of the Northeast scene. Yeah. Yeah. You know, can I start? I was actually thinking about this though, because now, like, as soon as you were like, "All right, it's cool. We'll figure out what the noise is. Like, we'll we'll work with it. You're getting the new microphone. Like, it's gonna work." In my head, I was like. <laughs> I don't know why. And I was like, he's going to lose his shit. I wouldn't do it. But I thought for a split <laughs> second, I was like, I'm going to, every time I get the microphone, I was going to, and this is me doing it now. I was going to, when I got the new microphone, I'd be like, all right, Keith, it sounds great, right? This sounds good, huh? All right, cool. This is great. And I would just like squeeze a water bottle or do something in the back. Oh, like as a practical joke? No, yeah. And, it, and in my head, I'm like, he would just fucking lose his shit because he wouldn't think it's funny. Practical jokes are, are a waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, we're not going to, the show will go on. We have to make it go on no matter what, or until something cooler comes up that one of us has to do. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. The, the show will go on. We will go on. Everything will be fine. And, and that's it. But I, I just wanted to talk about all this stuff because I don't want it hanging over our heads or someone thinking that something's wrong because it's not. It's no. all good. And we've got an exciting show coming up. We've got Adam Morgan from Hope's Fall joining us. Nice. That's going to be exciting. Hope's Fall is one of our favorite bands, and they really put themselves back on the map with Arbiter, the the 2017, the last LP they put out. That thing is so good. It, like bands usually go away for a while and then come back, and you're like, um, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> all right. But but they, I I would argue that might be their best record. I honestly, it's one of the ones that I've listened to, and I I just like the sound in general. Like that's yes. the biggest thing. I always liked their sound, but 
So like things like escape pod, escape pod for intangibles, right? Like, yes, there's seconds like that are like, you know, 30 to 40 second clips that I'm going, that is absolutely perfect. That is gorgeous. But there's other parts of the song that I'm like, uh, like, all right, I'm waiting for the, the cool part. I'm waiting for the part that I love to come up. Mm-hmm. A lot of this stuff on Arbiter, I'm like, wow, this whole thing has such a good kind of like the songwriting is better. Like they they figured out that structure of like, how do we it's not all a con- continuous build to this crescendo. And then it's like, oh, OK, now we just like have the here's where the heavy part is. Here's where the soft part is. Here's where right. the heavy part pack comes back in. Here's where we meld the two together. No, it's like it's it's really well thought out shit. It's kind of like what Steve was talking about, like when people get their shit together with songwriting. Yes, you have somebody that really can kind of like drive that part. Like it makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. And that the sound is perfect on that album. They did that with Mike Watts. He also record. That's where Gates records too. remember. Kevin told us that. Oh, yeah. 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 And when I recorded my EP, I gave them two records. Hum, you'd prefer an astronaut and hopes fall arbiter. I was like, I just thought the sound was perfect on Arbiter, and yeah. I, I wanted to replicate it. So That's Adam's right. going to be joining us, and we're going to talk about Hope's Fall and a lot of other stuff, too. And we're here on Monday night. They're, the, it's getting colder out, which I'm a fan of. You're, the heat, you love this. You, oh, I, yeah. This is my favorite thing is that I don't – I'm not like a hoodie person. Like I have a couple hoodies that like you know if I go out like skateboarding early in the morning, I'll have a hoodie with me. But like I like, I like a really nice sweater. Yeah, like, yeah, like, that's my thing. I don't, you know what? I actually don't like hoodies. I I own an Anchor and Dagger hoodie. I I wear occasionally. Yeah, but I am into high quality sweaters. That's that's my thing. I've got oh, a no. couple. I wear them all the time. That I love it. I, love I really it. I like the fact that like in this time of year, I have a really really comfortable one. I got it from uh, my mom always, and I, I this was something from when I was little. But my mom always ordered us. Uh, stuff from land's end mm-hmm. when we were growing up or ll bean depending on because my mom would always say their things last forever the quality is really nice they might be a little bit on the higher end of what you would pay for something but they last for a really long time she got me a like olive green uh cable knit sweater probably five years ago yeah and I, i've worn it i wear it all the time and it looks like the first day i got it like it's it's awesome. I I've spilled shit on it. I I wash <laughs> it. Like it's it it's just it held up so nice. And every time I like get like you know when you move your clothes over, like all right, I'm taking out like all the stuff like that. Just my summer stuff and putting that away, and mm-hmm. like taking out my winter stuff. And I was like taking out my. I actually started taking out my winter stuff over the weekend because it got really cold. What was that? Wait, third? you take you you do like the take out. You have clothes you put away for the summer. I, yeah. I remember doing that as a kid. I, I think that's weird now. Like my clothes are just in my closet, everything. So I have a lot of things that like, it, like I mean, cause just because we have so many people in the house, like it's just like we have so many clothes, like um, the, the amount of like closet space that I have is very minimal. So I have my dress shirts for work. I have like five pairs of like dress pants, but all of the sweaters and like, you know, crew neck sweatshirts and everything like that, that I have, we put it in the back of the closet 
like all the way in the one corner. It's it's weird to explain it, but it's like it's all the way out of the way. So uh, and then we put stuff on top of it, like all of our suitcases and duffel bags and all that kind of stuff we use for traveling are in front of it. So when it comes to this time of the year, I get to pull all that stuff out. So I pulled it out when I think it got cold on like Thursday. And I was like, let me go get um, all my stuff out because I wanted something to wear to the skate park on Saturday morning when I got up. And I was like, it's going to be 46 degrees when I get up. I need like two layers. So I put on a t-shirt, I put on a sweater and then I put a hoodie on over top of that. And I went to the skate park. I was like, yay. It's like nice, nice weather outside again. I don't have to be drenched in sweat coming home from the park. Like this is it. And this is one thing I want to talk to Adam about when we talk to him. I always think of this time of year. I remember I went on a national tour with this day forward that's where I discovered Hope's Fall. And I came off the tour, and the satellite years came out not too long after. And just that record always reminds me of this time of year. You know, cool, crisp, fall air. Yeah. There's something There's something in the air. You can feel it. It's been a weird time. Something just feels weird. It's like this mix of nostalgia and something. I can't. I just can't put my finger on it. But it's. it's good, and it's bad, and... I don't know. I don't know. But things are kind of crazy right now. Work is insane. There's a lot of stuff going on that's going to be hard to deal with. But mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to do my best to do that. And I don't know. That, that, right now, my challenge is work. Managing my time at work and managing all the many big projects going on. And you have a test coming up, too. So Well, I got to take that test by May, but I haven't been able to study as much as I need to. So I don't, I don't know, man. I... Uh, I'm, that's why I made the schedule. That's gotcha. why I made the schedule so I can study for it. So I gotta, I gotta get on that. I'm studying when I can during the week, but I gotta start studying on the weekend and stuff. But that's hard because you know you're a it's, family man. You know we've got obligations on the weekends. It's your only time too. Like I yes. feel like that's I, I actually I, I don't want to get into like a whole thing about it, but like when I get like, like my work phone is my personal phone, so like work pays for my phone. Yeah. So I feel obligated when a parent calls me on the weekend to answer or if they text me or email me to answer back because I'm like, fuck, they pay the bill on this thing. And I I, I want to make sure that I'm doing right by the kids. But like there's other times where like this weekend we had a lot of stuff going on. The floor got finished upstairs and we were trying to kind of like get the rooms in order. So we had finished painting. The new floors were in. We were putting the furniture back. But when we painted, like everything came down from the walls. I was like, all right, everything has to get hung back up. So you have to be really careful. Like you don't want to hang something up crooked and then stare at it for the rest of the, you know, the next 10 years and hate yourself. So right. I'm like, oh, this is a fucking pain in the ass. And I had like five parents cause grades came out on Friday. I had like five parents call me and I'm like, look, this is going to have to wait till Sunday night. Like this is going to have to wait. Like I, I just can't deal with this shit because like in my head, I'm going like my focus is my stuff now. Like when do I get my time? Right, right. And that's that's what I'm trying to do. That's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. When I can get back to... I try to get back to everybody as soon as I can. Sometimes it takes longer than I'd like. And with work stuff, I have the schedule. I work. I work all day. I You know, I don't like mess around too much during the day, just during my lunch break. But I'm working all day. I'll work past five o'clock if I have to. There's been plenty of nights where I've worked till like 11 p.m. at night and you know you gotta you gotta do what you gotta do i'm just glad i still have a job yeah dude yeah I actually... I, I've, I've worked for the same company for 12 years i have no idea what i would do if i had to get a new job 
I actually think about that fairly often because we had a, I wouldn't say mass exodus, but we had a lot of like senior leadership at my school leave. And there were people that were there for 10, 12, 13 years. And I'm like, oh my God, I've worked there for nine years. Like, what if I had to leave? Like, what if I left? Like, where would I, what would I go? Like, what would I do? Like, I know I'd still be somehow involved in education, but would I still be in the classroom? Would I be writing curriculum? Like, what does that look like? And in my head that there's a, like a panic that kind of washes over me when I think about that, because it's, it means upturn, it could be potentially turning your entire life upside down. Like I have to learn something completely new or I have to, and I don't have great people skills when it comes to like, if I had to like observe teachers, I'm really bad at that. Like, cause if I see something bad in your classroom, like, you know, you're supposed to tell people like, Oh, I, uh, what I really see in your classroom that's going well is this. And one of the things that we can improve is this, like, mm-hmm. I would just be like, yo, you can't take data like that on the kids. Like you just can't do that. Like you're going to Philly them. Yeah. Like, bro, you can't do that. Like, why are you like, you, you're writing down? Oh, like, what is that information going to do? Like, I, I, I get immediately like very, I guess aggressive is the kind of right word it is. I think it's a not aggressive in a mean way, but an aggressive in a, like a, you need to fix this because it's, it's holding you back from being a better teacher. Like it's, so you, you can't put on the corporate jargon. I can do that. I can do it. All right. So I think it comes down to, and it, it it's basically my, if it's my audience, who my audience is like, if my boss, if my boss boss was like, Hey, do you think you would want to talk to me about like doing leadership? And I would be like, okay, cool. Like, all right, pretend you observe this person and you saw this in your classroom. How would like, how would you talk to them about it? I can fake it then. But if there was like some 23 year old from Princeton that was like, yeah, I just did this. And I like, it didn't work. Like, well, it didn't fucking work because you didn't do it right. Like, it, it, like in my head, like, do you know what I mean? Like there's part of me that I, if it's like, if I have to put on a face, like I can do that to a certain extent, but that's only going to get me so far in terms of the results. Like if I yeah. want, if I want you to do well in the classroom, there's sometimes that like, you just have to be blunt with people. Like this isn't functional. You have to fix this. Like, I wish someone would have done that with me in my life. <laughs> <laughs> you need, you need a life supervisor. You need, <laughs> uh, well, I have had the same jobs. I've worked for the same company since 2008. It's been the only constant in my life for that period of time. So if I had to get a new job, it would be really hard and I would not want to do it. So I hope that doesn't happen anytime soon. Yeah, me too. Because I, you also like the stability of what you do. Like oh, you- yes. And I, I can work from home. I work exclusively from home. I haven't traveled since November. I get paid decent. I, d- I don't mind what I do. I love the team that I work with. Everything worked out perfectly because it was not like that for a long time. So, yeah. I mean, everything is great now. So I just, I'm just hoping that uh, I hold on to it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, that, that's the thing now is like, it, like you said before, though, I'm just glad we have somewhere to work. Like, cause yeah. there's so many people. I actually, I had, I was on, on a phone call with a parent today and she works for, um, the housing authority in New Jersey. And she was like, well, we just got the, the call that if people don't, people are more than six months delinquent, 
um, because there was like a moratorium on it, like of eviction. She's like, we've got the call now that we're supposed to start evicting people if they don't have a payment plan set up. So I'm like, okay, wait, why is she telling me this? And she's like, well, I'm just letting you know, like, because there's going to be a good amount of kids that are at school that keep in mind, they used to be able to just say, okay, well, I'm going to school and school was their stability. Now school is home and home is not a place anymore. Like if it, they get evicted, like they don't have a place to do school. They don't have Wi-Fi. They, they'll have their laptop, but like the chances that they're going to be able to connect and be in your classroom at the right time, doing the right amount of work. If they're like connected to like the, the Wi-Fi outside Taco Bell, like I, I don't know, like if it's going to be that you're going to have some really difficult months coming up soon. Oh I'm man. Like, Oh no. Think of that. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit. Like, because school is home and home is school. Like it's, it's really kind of flip flop now. It's like, shit, dude, like that used to, we used to be kind of like a bastion of like, you know, this was the place you were safe. Come to school, school, like home might not be cool. Like there might be, you know, it might be chaos. It might be, you know, the lights are cut off or whatever. You have to watch uh, season four of the wire. There's like, this is like what it's all about. Yeah. I actually, uh, I'm Kelly and I were looking for something to watch together, and um, Chris Riley was like, "Yo, you got to watch Goliath," and I was like, "Okay." He's like, "You'll like it." It's I think he said it's Billy Bob Thornton, but he's like, it's a procedural kind of like courtroom stuff. He's like, it's about like you know the justice system and how like district attorneys get charges and how they get the charges from the police and the police then go ahead and cycle them through like that kind of thing i was like oh that sounds really good and you know what he said to me right after that he goes don't do that fucking weird thing where you watch the last episode first (laughs) (laughs) i I forgot about that he was like don't don't fucking do that weird ass thing where you watch a fucking last episode you'll fuck it up (laughs) romy and i are watching dark it's a netflix show about time travel and it's good. It's very confusing, but it's good. Okay. I recommend that. Because there's like three different timelines, and they're, all the characters are interconnected. And it's it's in German. I don't know if that bothers you. I, I don't mind reading subtitles. I but it, That's the only thing. It's a really good show. Subtitles are hard with with us just because typically when we watch TV at night, it's after everybody's in bed, and we watch it in our bed. And when I'm... T- when the lights are off and the you know subtitles are going, I'm less likely to like I fall asleep pretty quickly if I have me to too. Leave. She yeah. Romy gets mad because I'm out. Like I never make it through a whole episode, yeah. and then I when we start the next episode, I have to go 15 minutes back to see the end of the previous episode. I never thought I'd be that guy because I was always the one who was up all night. You know, like yeah. oh yeah, I, I don't need my bed. Yeah, you know, So, but now. You know, if I'm home, if I have all my dopamine inducing video games and computers and all that stuff, I'll stay up till twelve one. But if I'm at Romy's, I'm, we're sitting in bed watching TV, so I'm out at at eleven eleven thirty. Yeah, I now that's the problem with Kelly and I is we find that we we don't like the same things, so we try to find something that's in common. The that's last what we do, yeah. The last thing that we had in common was uh, Tiger King. And yeah. We like Tiger King, and then we watched what was the other one? Oh, I got hooked on it because she was watching it, and I was folding laundry, and I was like, "Oh, this is actually really entertaining." Um, it's called Ninety Day Fiance, the other way, and it was about people that get the K uh, 
K-1 visas to like marry someone from a foreign country, mm-hmm. but it's not people marrying a United States citizen to come and get United States citizenship. It's people moving to other countries. Um, the one that was like really entertaining was this like nerdy dude from like the Midwest that was moving to this like fishing village in Brazil. It was fucking hard. Dude, it's hard to watch. Like he's so, he's just like, he, he, he's so cringy. Like everything he says, you're like, he doesn't filter anything out. Like he's such a dummy. He says the worst things at the worst times. Like, is he cringy like an a-hole or cringy like Mikey Miles? Like Mikey. No, he's hundred percent Mikey Miles. And yo, did you see? I I I text. This is why. This is why we can never not be friends. I I I I wrote a comment under his thing because he's going live. He's gonna do a live uh, Instagram thing, and I'm like, we need a live broadcast. This this if if you guys don't have we talked about him on here at all? No. I and all I'm gonna say is, oh, did I tell you he blocked me? No. Yeah, I said something he didn't like, and he blocked me. Folks, follow Mikey Miles one sixty on Instagram. That's all I'll say. Yeah, I'm yo. just gonna leave that there. All right, folks. Here's the interview with Adam Morgan of Hope's Fall. Enjoy. We're here with Adam Morgan of Hope's Fall. Woo! Adam, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, man. Thank you. Let me ask you right off the bat: Did you hear our episode with your friend and bandmate Josh Brigham? I did. I heard a an episode with him, um, and then I heard another episode where y'all came back and talked about the Hum record, I, I believe. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Now, we're going to go through Josh's first episode line by line, and you tell us what's <laughs> bullshit and what's not. And here we go. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. So you're familiar with the show. That's good. Yes. So you, you may have heard uh, all of my gushing about Hope's Fall. It's one of our favorite bands. It's been a, a important band in my life. So let me say that right off the bat. Awesome band, and we're excited to have you here. Oh, man. Thank you so much, dudes. Adam, let's let's get to know each other a little bit. I'm guessing you live in North Carolina. Yep, I do, in Charlotte. So do you live... How many of the guys live there? I know Josh does. Yeah, right now it's me, um, Josh, and our bass player, Chad. Ah, uh, Yes. And, um, you know, our singer Jay lives in Chicago and our guitar player Ryan lives in Nashville, Tennessee. So how does it work if you're going to practice? I guess you just got to pick a weekend and then get it done before the tour or the string of shows or whatever else. Yeah, uh, we we still haven't played any shows with Ryan yet, so we're still kind of navigating how how that was going to work. We were getting together, um, you know, pre-COVID. Um, Every once in a while, you know, we'd go up there to to Nashville or he'd come down here. But mainly it would just be us three that live in Charlotte just kind of getting together once a week and just making sure our shit was tight, you know, and then um, just kind of, you know, just relying on on uh, the other guys to make sure they're doing their homework. And then, you know, of course, we as the shows were getting closer, we had, um, you know, some some opportunities to get together all together and make sure that the shit was ironed out. But, you know, uh, that got shot dead pretty quick. Right, right. I mean, shit. The jo- Josh, I think, was the first guest we had on when this whole thing started. And... Fuck, that feels like a decade ago at this point. It does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like it's just it's just so strange. So so yeah, I was excited to see that Ryan 
Parrish is back in the band now. Now, Adam, you've been in the band since the beginning, right? Yeah, I've been in the band. I've dropped out of the band, and now I'm back in the band. But yeah, I was a, an original member. So how does it feel to be playing with Ryan again in the band? Oh, man, it's great. Like, when we, you know, when we came to him, you know, asking if he'd be interested in, in coming back and writing some songs, um, you know, it just the first step was to have him, you know, come in and all of us get in a room together and just see if it's even, you know, doable. You know, he, you know, he was a little bit, uh, he wasn't hesitant, you know, he wanted to do it, but I think there was a little bit of a nervousness or an anxiety about whether or not, you know, he could jump back in that, that mind frame after all these years. Cause he's been out since, I mean, as soon as, the, yeah, as soon as the satellite years came out, which was what, 2002 yeah wow yeah and then you know he's been doing other musical projects the whole time since and it's nothing's been you know as heavy as you know hopes fall was so he just kind of his way of playing and his way of writing and and just approaching songs with other people you know had been so different and um but once we all got in the room together it just man it was just like riding a bike and it just it flowed so organically and it it just worked wonderfully. Yeah. You know, I saw, well, first let me say I'm excited that he's back in the fold because yeah, the last release he was on was, uh, no wings to speak of. And no, Oh, am I wrong on that? Uh, satellite years. Did he actually record some of that satellite years? Yeah. Yeah. He recorded all the guitar part. I mean, aside from Josh, yeah. All the, all his parts. So he was actually in the studio for the satellite years. Yes. Yep. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah. Wow. I thought he was out before you guys got into the studio. Well, wow. Okay. Okay. So. Yeah. No, I could see how it could. Yeah. It was. Um. So you know the 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 album was done and recorded, and it was very shortly after that. It might have even been, but might have even been before we went to go mix it that um uh. he had stepped out. So yeah, as a as someone on the outside kind of l- framing the reference of when the album came by the time the album came out, yes, he was out of the band, but no, he, he wrote and recorded that whole album with us. Wow. Yeah. See that. Well, even I'm learning something new. Yeah. Because I met you guys on a tour in 2002. It was you were on part of it this day forward, not waving, but drowning. And I think it was a couple months before Satellite Years came out. And yeah, Ryan was not there. So he had been out by that point. Yep. Gotcha. So yeah, I'm excited that he's back in the fold because I was like, man, I I just loved one, that you guys got back together. Two, that you're working with different people from different eras of the band. And I saw Ryan post this thing on Instagram. It was a riff he wrote back in 2015 that ultimately ended up becoming part of Hall, Hall of the Sky. Yeah. Your your latest song. And I, I just love that kind of stuff. Like, who? I'm sure he never imagined that this lead he's messing around with would end up in a Hope's Fall song and that he would end up back with Hope's Fall oh, yeah. five years later. I love that kind of shit, like just <laughs> tracing the trajectory. He'd, be, he'd probably be more surprised than, than you would to hear that. Honestly. Oh, I'm sure. You know? And so I just I learned that the other day too from watching his Instagram uh store. I had no idea that uh he had been sitting on that for that long. Um that was that was like, oh wow, cool, you know. So you're living in Charlotte and uh what do you do for your job? 
I am a screen printer uh, for like non-textile stuff. I mean, our company does that as well, but I'm like um, like show posters or uh, vinyl stickers or anything that's Ooh. anything that's not apparel that can be screen printed. Um, I kind of do that. A lot of corporate stuff, like logos on water bottles and that kind of stuff. Like uh, that. Surprisingly, stuff. not. I mean, a lot of it is. Um, a lot of it's band stuff and a, a lot of it's uh, all kinds of stuff. No, we don't like, we just have a ton of very small uh, business oriented stuff. Not like we're not set up to where like we lose the contract for this big, you know, uh, corporation and then we're going under or anything like that. We don't have any, any big gigantic stuff like that. So it's, it's it's really neat. It's something different every day, um, and uh, I've been doing it for a long time. But uh, but I really like doing what I'm doing. That's awesome. Yeah, that's cool. It's got to be cool to be able to work with music parallel while you're not doing music as well. Because you know I'm interested in all creative stuff, but my job's very corporate. So it's like I have to go to work and pretend to be one person, and then I can kind of. Uh, but, but you know, with this whole work at home thing, it's great because. I haven't cut my hair since, I don't know, January, and I haven't shaved either. So the first two minutes of every conference call at work now is people commenting on my hair. (laughs) (laughs) They're they're like, yeah, Charles Manson, uh, Jim Morrison, uh, this, that. And then I'm like, all right, guys, I get it. So So um, my hair's long. Anyway, business. So so you haven't shaved either? (laughs) No. Well, I I did once, but the the beard's as long as it's ever been. Oh, wow. How how many inches are we talking? Uh, not, not that many, honestly. It's, 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 a, it's like two or three inches. It's, it's not like Santa Claus level or anything, but it's longer than I've ever had it. And, you know, I got to look clean cut for, for my job because we're in front of clients and stuff, but I'm taking advantage of this time home and away from clients to look like a, a complete mess. Yeah, man. Well, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta entertain yourself somehow. Exactly. Plus, on on teams, I have a a clean cut picture of me shaved and with a suit. So when you see me talk, that picture pops up. So you know, <laughs> I love it playing the part. But uh, yeah, it's got to be cool, like to be working with bands still when you're not playing. Oh yeah, like every every once in a while, I get an order, I get an order in, and I'm like, oh yes, like I'm gonna keep a couple of these for myself, you know. That's awesome. Or, you know, so I mean. <laughs> We used to do a lot of the um, the the crank record stuff, you know, like Mineral and. Oh, um, that's awesome! I mean, dude, I've been working there for like twenty years now. Um, wow, we've done like Jimmy World stuff. We've done, I mean, we've done so much cool shit, and you know, you've probably got a nice collection of prints at home. Uh, I would. I wish I had more. We do a lot of stickers. We used to do a ton of. Not a ton, but we used to do a lot more posters than than what we do now. And I really wish I would have had the the um the mindset to hold on to some of those from back in the day. But I, I have like full like sticker run sheets of like uh cursive stickers. We used to do a lot of Saddle Creek stuff for like the faint oh. and cursive and bright mm. eyes. But yeah, I mean every once in a while those still come in like a cool band, and I'll be like. Yes, and I'll throw on like a record while they're while we're printing their stuff, and like all the guys like 
they're not down with that. I mean, like I, I work with like a guy who's like a country boy and like, yeah. you know, like some other people that just don't quite get that genre, but I'm like, Nope, we're printing their shit. We're listening to their shit. <laughs> yeah. I do that a lot with this podcast. If someone mentions a band or if I have a band on, I just right away have to start listening to them. I do it a lot when I'm editing, you know, we'll be, we'll be talking to the band. They'll mention a song, a record, or they'll mention another band and I'll stop editing Listen to the song and then start editing again. I actually just bought a screen print like not that long ago from Keith, our friend Chuck Moran. Yes. He does those uh, like one-off things for like he does like uh, so he hand draws everything and then he cuts he like makes all the screens for it. But he did a poster for they were screening The Exorcist. Um, I, I forget where it was. Um, but he did this really cool drawing of it's like, uh, Reagan's face at the top, like inverted. And then, um, that original, like the, if you like saw the original VHS copy of, uh, the exorcist, the opening picture was the, uh, the The first, the old, no, no, no. The older priest walking up to the house and that light shining down from her window. And it just illuminated him completely. Um, but that's, it's all done in, uh, the whole thing is a upside down crucifix and all the drawings are inside that. And as soon as, as soon as I saw it, I was like, that's incredible. And my mom is a big, uh, my mom saw the exorcist in the theaters and she said it's till this day. She's like, it's the one movie that really scares me because growing up Catholic, she was like, I really thought that could happen to me. And she's like, (laughs) oh (laughs) when she, when I, I, I texted Chuck and I was like, yo, I need to buy a screen print of that. And he was like, why? And I was like, well, no, 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 no. Like I'm going to buy. And he's like, all right. Like, he's like, just go on the site and order it. So I ordered it and it came and I showed my mom and she was like, oh, that's going to be terrible to frame. It's so big. And I was like, well, you're going to put it up in your house. So good luck with that. <laughs> it's you a present, movie. Now, yeah. now you got it. And she's like, oh no, sweetie, I don't want that in my hand. Cause my mom's still really religious. She's like, yeah, it's an upside down cross. She can hang that in her hand. <laughs> she was like, like right next to her. Uh, 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 what is the one she is like one of the big, huge, like, uh, an Irish blessing, like big, like thing done in calligraphy, like above the fireplace. So like, it'll be a nice, like accompaniment to that is like, here's all this religious iconography and not, and an inverted crucifix. <laughs> <laughs> chuck did uh it's it's you know that sonic youth t-shirt that has the two people in sunglasses yep. i printed stickers he, for that uh same image for the band yeah i've i've never now uh get ready for this i've never even heard sonic youth before but <laughs> but chuck took that image and made it look like the blues brothers oh and, yes and it says like mission from god we, lp from god yeah yeah, and then it has the quote, you know, we've got a pack of cigarettes, a tank of gas, and we're going to Chicago. And I love that shirt. That's I was like, awesome. I saw that. I was like, I got to get that right now. But he does cool stuff. He's done stuff for Mono, Maserati, Patton Pat, Oswalt. Patton oh, Oswalt. Wow. He's done multiple. He's done multiple things for him, and he does. He did a lot of work for R Five um, when they were all like a lot of the first Unitarian Church stuff. Yeah. Um, he was doing a lot of their their posters for that and it was he gotten well maybe, uh, never mind he got he got in trouble for the one because for some reason i think it was it might have been boris i don't remember maybe the melvins i forget who it was but um do you know that uh so president trump's wife did some nude modeling in the early 80s 
Yeah. yeah. And they've done a really good job to suppress the pictures, um, but they still are out there. So Chuck used those as the four corners of the border. Was <laughs> Melania Trump, like, like half naked, turned around. I was like, holy shit. And he's like, yeah, I got in a lot of trouble for that. <laughs> we might have to cut this part. <laughs> like, as I'm thinking about this. Yeah. Did Trump come after yeah, him? Who, who, I don't, who came after him? What, who, who could, who I, I got to get this. We got to get Chuck on and talk about it because he was like, I remember. <laughs> He was like, yeah, I got a lot of blowback from that. And I don't know oh. if it was specifically because there were like people that were like, hey, I'm, I'm a big supporter of Trump. And I think that was disrespectful. Or there was a legal aspect of it because I know there was a, a large effort to kind of get those pictures out of the public, like out of when people were posting them. I know they were taking them down very quickly. Wow. Um, so we had to talk. We have to, I had, I'll get an answer for you because Chuck and I talk almost daily. So. We got to talk to him about that. But I have to say, Chuck's finest work that he's ever done are the logos for the Northeast scene. Yes, he did. <laughs> say he did. And the funny thing was, I texted him about that. And I was like, yo, can you do the, the logos for Northeast scene? He's like, what do you want? And I'm like, I don't know, Pennsylvania, bro. Like, see, I don't know. Like, I, yeah. it, 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 he wrote me back in like 25 minutes. Maybe it was, it was under an hour for sure. And he was like, okay, here. And I was like, all right. Uh, uh, what do I owe you? And he's like, what? And I was like, what do I owe you? And he's like, oh, I, I don't know. And I'm like, dude, it took you like an hour. Like, I would give you like 50 bucks. He's like, sure. I'm like, dude, you're like an artist on demand. Do you understand how much money somebody, if somebody called someone and said, I need something like right away, yeah. like you could be like, they, they could charge an enormous amount of money. Like, and he's like, no, no, no. He's like, you're my friend though. And I'm like, you're the best dude in the world. Like I've, I've known him since I was 18 years old, but like, he really he came through with a lot of stuff for us, and he's just such a super good dude. Uh, Horrorprints.com. Okay, I was Check getting ready to ask. Yeah. I was like, I need a link for this guy. I need to see where. Dude, yeah, it's Horrorprints.com, and he does really cool logos. He does a couple of that, like the you'll know you're there because it's a Horrorprints, and it looks like um the Nintendo logo. Like that's yeah, yeah, super awesome. Oh, super yeah. awesome. I stuff. see it. There we go. So, I got it. Yeah. So Adam. Are you still able to work in the midst of this global pandemic? Yes, fortunately, I am. Oh, that's good. That's yeah, yeah. Uh, it got it got a little scary there in the beginning, but then we kind of navigated our way through it. You know, it, it's. Um, I think I think the big boss man did some 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 good promoting, um, and I think uh, the initial the initial wave was it dried up pretty fast, but then I think bands and other people who might have wanted to order stuff for like events that got canceled realized like well we still need some income so i think a lot of people started ordering you know prints and stickers and shirts for their web stores you know so then the work started coming in and then we we kind of started to outlast some of the other smaller uh screen printing places so i think we started getting uh some some new customers in who you know normally would have used someone else but they just had to shut their doors kind of thing so we've just it, it 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 comes in waves but we've been really fortunate and um and we're 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 pretty slammed right now so it's good that's, that's good a, that's a good do place you, uh, to be yeah yeah do you screen print masks at all that would be big business yeah yeah they got i don't but the yeah the um the the the, the group that does you know the t-shirts and the apparel and stuff, textile stuff yeah, textile there they have definitely got into that and they've been printing like some of the biggest orders we've ever gotten, you know, so they're, they're pumping those out right now. 
That's awesome. Yeah, that's good. So you're screen printing, right? You're living in Charlotte. Now, you had a tour, Hope's Fall had a tour with Taken that was supposed to happen in Japan, correct? Yes. <laughs> have you ever have you ever been to Japan before? I have never been. So this was going to be the first time. Yep. Ah, oh, well, I'm sorry to bring up these painful memories, yeah. but you know what? We we have to work through them together. That's right. I appreciate um, it. <laughs> I I saw Taken again for the first time since the early 2000s. They just happened to be playing in Philly when I went, and for some reason I never checked them out on record. But I saw them, and then I listened to the record, and I was like, God, these guys are really good. Oh, yeah, they're great. I love those yeah. guys. Yeah, it's like really melodic and just, I don't know, it's, it's good stuff. But I, I remember those guys from back in the day. They are, they are good folks. Yes, yeah. I'm, we, I know we played some shows with them back in the day, and it's super, I mean, it's super hard for me to remember. But I know we definitely did a little bit of like Eastern Canada with them. Uh, but... I just remember them being like so cool and like, like you said, like melodic hardcore and like just very passionate and, uh, and just, I'm so glad they reached out to us, uh, all these years later, you know, and hopefully, hopefully the Japan thing is just postponed, uh, instead of canceled. But I, I would love to get out there with those dudes. Yeah, man, a tour of Japan, that's got to be insane. And from, from everything I've heard from everybody else, the Japanese crowds just seem really receptive and very welcoming to American bands, because I imagine they don't get to see, you know, nearly as many as we do. Oh, yeah, it must, I mean, it must be a treat for them, not to sound cockier, you know, but, but like, yeah. no, for real, like, if they've, if they've grown up all their lives listening to, like, these, you know, these American hardcore bands, it's got to be such a treat for them you know, when, when one of those bands can make it over to their area. So. Right. Cause Hope's Fall has never, has Hope's Fall ever played Japan? Never. No. Yeah. So see, that's a first time ever thing. So if you're a Japanese Hope's Fall fan, that is like, oh my God. Like I, I live in America and I had seen you guys before. And when you guys were playing shows again, and one of them just happened to be at St. Vitus, I was in like a rush to get home from San Francisco to make sure I made that show. So if you're a Japanese lifelong Hopesfall fan and they're coming, I can't even imagine. Oh, I know. Especially like, you know, if you were a fan from the beginning over there and then we broke up and you thought, well, that was, there that goes. That was my, yeah. you know, and then what, 10 years, 15 years later, you know, you get a chance again, like, I mean, that would be awesome. I mean, just trying to put myself in that situation, like, you know, if like one of my favorite bands, you know, Cigaros, you know, I ne I got to see them a couple years ago, but like, you know, they're from Iceland, but um, they don't, you know, if they were a smaller band and they didn't come over to the States that much and then they came, I mean, I would, I would fly anywhere in the United States to go see them. So, um, yeah, I, it's got to be exciting for them. Um, and like I said, hopefully we can make it over there <laughs> for them I and think, for us, man. Right. I, I, it has to get rescheduled. It has to. We're putting that energy out into the earth right now. There we go. The the Hope's Fall Taken to Japanese tour has to be rescheduled. It That's will it. happen. Yes. Thank yes. On the uh, topic of Japanese bands, I really need to see Envy. Have Has anyone ever seen uh, them? I've never seen yeah. them. No. I've never seen them either, but that one CD, uh, Dozer, holy fuck, it's so good. I really need to see them. 
so good. Yeah. So hopefully, uh, well, one, hopefully live music comes back one day. It's got Two, to, yeah. Hopefully Hope's Fall makes it to Japan. And three, hopefully Envy plays stateside once again. Basically, we started this podcast just to ask for things, yeah. <laughs> and sometimes they happen and sometimes they don't. I was going to say, those don't sound like too much to ask for, those three things. I'm pretty humble. You know, yeah. I don't ask for too much. So uh, how did you, did you meet with the gentleman in Hope's Fall at the same school that they all went to? I remember Josh telling the story that he hooked up with Ryan at this school they were going to, or a camp, I think. And uh, that's kind of how they connected via music. Um, not school, but like the church we were going to. That's it what was, it was. Youth, yeah, youth, like a youth group. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah, youth yeah. group. Yep, yep. Um, I think Josh knew Ryan probably longer than. I guess I was going to say I was always the youngest uh, amongst our group of friends that kind of hung out, and then mm-hmm. you know from that group we started playing music together. But yeah, so. Um, I was kind of the younger kid in the youth group. I had a brother that was the same age. I have a brother that's the same age as uh, Ryan and Josh. So I kind of, you know, tagged along with with my brother and then um, kind of just became better friends with with those guys. And my brother actually turned out to, to be. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so is that how you discovered the scene as well? Just going to shows and everything with them? Yep, yep. Just hanging out with my my church youth group friends um you know that just had their their finger on the pulse of this new kind of music coming up and i was just a a sponge with everything they had to to report back with so yeah you know it's kind of amazing how even in different scenes and different states a lot of the bands were kind of doing the same thing not the same exact thing but similar sounds like when i listen to hope's fall frailty of words it's that really melodic hardcore sound but then up in pennsylvania this day forward we're doing kind of the same thing like if you listen to fragments and you listen to frailty of words side by side they're very different but they're also very similar yeah they both have horrible uh production (laughs) but yeah i I know what you're saying yeah yeah but i i wonder i try to think of like what were the big influences like where does it all lead up to I know it was Converge at the time and Shai Halud and Josh mentioned Strong Arm too. So I think it was a lot of that mm-hmm. metallic, uh, melodic stuff coming out of Florida and then the really chaotic stuff too, like Converge. Yeah, uh, but that was all that was all super new to them and us um, when we started the band. I mean, Josh and Ryan came from the Pumpkins and Hum and and bands like that. And then, you know, then we went through like our little punk and ska phase and, you know, alternative rock. Um, and then, uh, you know, we got into hardcore, you know, with bands like the Josh mentioned, mentioned, you know, like strong arm or overcome or a lot of those tooth and nail bands. Um, and then there was, and you know, at that time also there was a, a small handful of bands in our local, you know, scene in our city that were that were playing shows and um you know starting to make demos and albums and so we just kind of just we were just uh i don't know the word we were just kind of so curious and we just loved uh this new genre of music we discovered you know which was hardcore Mm -hmm. and um that's just kind of what 
I guess, started coming out um, when Josh and Ryan started playing together. You know, I'm just a drummer. I'm at the mercy of <laughs> what the guitarists <laughs> show me, you know. But, um, but yeah, that's, I mean, it, it, was, it was all very new. And um, I think the other piece of it is the whole alternative movement, like you mentioned, Smashing Pumpkins, uh, Nirvana, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Smashing Pumpkins were a big influence on me as well. They were my favorite band for a long time, you know, late grade school, early high school. Yeah, see, that's something I I never... Ugh, uh, Josh, Ryan, if you're listening at this point, cover your... I mean, they, <laughs> they know this about me already. I mean, I've never been a huge Pumpkins fan. Ah. Um, uh, you know, like, but, you know, I... I was on a little bit different trajectory when it came to um, like being able to listen to uh, music that I couldn't buy from the Christian bookstore, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, they were, they were listening to the pumpkins. They were two years older than me and I was still kind of in my tooth and nail world. Um, And, you know, it's just kind of still struggling with like, Oh, like, why do these guys, why are they listening to this, this stuff? It's not, it, they shouldn't be listening to the pumpkins, you know, that, you know, we should come back from youth group camp and burn those kind of CDs, you know? So ah, like, so it's like, I that. was, okay. I was still hung up a little bit on, on that whole, uh, aspect of Christianity and, um, and just that, you know, that way yeah. that, you know, you know, being a youth, uh, being a teen, trying to figure out all that stuff. Um, you know, you know, it's funny. We we had our friend Steve Clifford, also a drummer oh, from, from uh, Circa. Yeah, yeah. and he, he said the same thing. Like he went to a youth group and like a religious youth group, and tooth and nail bands were like the cheat code. Yeah, you know, to be able to listen to cool music. Absolutely. Yeah, but but man, I mean, they really like they had a, some bands that were legit. That you know, it didn't feel like you were listening to the uh washed down version of earth crisis i mean like strong arm was better than anything out there that was you know non-christian or secular uh, I, yeah. I did the air quotes there um <laughs> but like but then they also had see i was right out of right out of that kind of era in my life where i was kind of struggling with my own morality of listening to non-christian music is like right when um like all the crank and um polyvinyl and um jade tree stuff started coming out and you know our original bass player at the time chris uh he would just mail order all these cds in just blindly just just put in orders to all these, you know, uh, record labels. And he would just get all these CDs in of all this new stuff that I'd never heard of, like cursive and mineral and Texas is the reason and the promise ring mm. Elliot and all this stuff. So, you know, one day we were driving in his car and he was playing mineral, uh, the power of failing. And it just, it just blew me away. I'd never heard anything like it and something yes. about it just resonated. And then, from there on, it was just like, okay, I, I got to venture out, <laughs> you know, I got to, 
I got to listen to other stuff that's not in the, the Christian bookstore, that's not on Tooth and Nail. And and this this right here, this mineral band, this band that he's playing me, this cursive band that he just played me the, the day after that, like everything that he is playing for me right now is like, I can't deny myself this stuff. And then it, I just went on to a full dive into trying to find as many bands like that as I could find. Yeah. But so was it was it music that took you out of the more secular lifestyle? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Yes, because I remember I went to Catholic grade school and high school, and I was I was very obedient. I was very fearful. I believed everything they were saying or thought I had to. And I I remember the turn. One of the turning points for me, I was talking to my best friend. I was like very naive for a long time, but I remember walking with my best friend, and I was like. I was like, "Hey, uh, are you gonna are you gonna wait till you get married to have sex?" And he like laughed in my face. He's like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> and I was, and then I kind of, you know, that was like step one. And then I realized, like, oh, this isn't all necessarily true. You know, like maybe I won't burn in hell if I say a curse word, or maybe I don't have to actually go to church every week. Like, you know, so I guess that was kind of the beginning of the end. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, So many things are like bashed into your, um, you know, just beaten into your head. Like, God, I used to see a person like drinking a beer or smoking a cigarette. And I sincerely thought like, oh, that poor idiot is, you know, he's, He's gonna, you know, burn in hell. You know, like, <laughs> you just signed, you just signed your own death warrant. Exactly. Buddy. Good luck with that. Like, <laughs> I, I, I actually got in trouble. I remember in, I forget exactly which grade it was. I think it was third or fourth grade. But do you remember, like, when you used to have to do projects at school, and they would be like, you have to make a diorama. And I was like, okay. Well, I had to make a diorama of. Um, we were doing Old Testament stuff, and I, I, I had to make a diorama of Noah's Ark. And I remember my teacher came over who was a nun and I remember being like, all right. So they gave us like actual, like in the Bible, it says there's measurements. It was 490 cubits by 80 cubits. I'm like, what's a cubit? And she's like, well, you can look it up here. And she's like, oh, a cubit is actually this distance of three meters or something like that. And I was like, okay. So he started like doing the math and I'm like, wait a minute. Do you have like a whole thing? Like, did they have like one floor for like predators and then they have like prey on the other floor? And like, how do you figure in like big animals? Like, I don't know, like elephants and stuff like that. And what if one of them died? Like, how are they going to procreate like afterwards like that? Like, because if you only have the male and no female, like, I don't understand. Like, they need a lot of different kinds of food. Like, it doesn't seem like it's going to fit on this thing. And I remember she sat me down. She's like, Okay, so many of the things in the Bible are an allegory. It's a story meant to taught or teach us something. And I was like, okay, but I have to make this boat. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> like, what am I supposed to do? Like, I don't understand. And uh, I remember, I, I, she, re- she was like, you know what? I'm gonna assign you a new project. There and you go. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> and uh, my new project was, I did a whole thing about. Uh, I learned about world religions. And I, I did like a brief report on all different world religions. And I was like, everybody else was like, I made the, the uh, barn that Jesus was born in. And here's a mule. And here's the three wise men. And I'm like, 
All right, so Shintoism is the predominant <laughs> religion in Japan. Many of the 1.8 million followers. Like, wow. like, everybody else's report was like hilarious, like really fun. And like there was like, you know, colorful. And it was literally just me in the front of the classroom reading off a piece of paper. I was like, okay. See what you get for asking questions. You guys shut up and just make your diorama, dude. Yeah, <laughs> I really should have just done. I, I, I could have been sitting there playing with Plato like everybody else, like fucking making you know whatever shapes I had to put in the game exactly. thing. And then there's me like you know being like, hey, I don't understand exactly what you want me to do. And then why do you have to be such an agitator? I, you know what though, when I was little, I don't think I did it out of agitation. I, I really did it out of pure curiosity, and it, it really backfired on me. And I think there was part of that that like I took that with me like through eighth grade where. I remember things like not making sense and being like, just shut up. Don't ask. Cause like you, you just make more work for yourself. <laughs> like just, all right, this doesn't make sense. Okay. We're done. Like, that's all right. We don't have to make sense of this. This is all right. I remember one time, I, I think I, I forget if I told this story on the show, but I'm telling it again. There was a, <laughs> we were, we were taking this quiz. We're in groups and they're like, do you believe that the Eucharist is actually the body of Christ? And, Everyone wrote down yes, and I wrote down no. Like, it's bread. It's a wafer, you know. So the teacher goes around, and she checks everyone's answer. And the three people in my group are like, yes, yes, yes. So I quickly scribbled out no <sighs> and, and wrote yes, because I didn't want to, like, be different. God saw oh. that, dude. Yeah. yeah like, that's. Oh. I kind of wish I would have questioned it like you did. Yeah, well, there's a whole thing. They have an answer for everything, though, because then they would go, actually, Keith, transubstantiation is the process by which when the priest actually prays over top of the host, it actually is transformed into the body and blood of Christ. And they, they would have to, they would have a legitimate, or not a legitimate, no, they, I, have, they would I, have an explanation. <laughs> I went to a shittier school district than you, so <laughs> they, I would not have gotten that explanation. I mean, you can't ask that question to a bunch of kids and have no... Uh, answer for the for the one kid that you know steps up and says no i don't believe that there were times though where i remember a couple times this is like a, this might not just be no it has to be just catholic schools nobody in public school had to deal with this i we would have a teacher out like say they had the flu so they're out like three four five days right somebody's mom who had like a teaching certificate or maybe just had gone to college would be our like substitute teacher <laughs> i remember like being like who's the new teacher and they're like oh that uh you know that kid in eighth grade I'm like yeah that's his mom why is she here <laughs> like, why why is she teaching us math right now like this doesn't make any sense and keep in mind like you know that's like the time in your education where you have one teacher all day so that one teacher teaches you math and reading and writing and science and history and art like they're 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 everything like they're all day with you i'm like this person is someone's mom that like normally when i see her like she's like you know behind the service desk at the fucking you know supermarket and now she's somehow teaching us religion like what is happening right now like this doesn't seem right and it's funny that you can make that connection too as a kid like you know it's like if someone's in a band and they're like starting another band, I'm like, no, 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 they're only in the one band, but you do it as a kid too. It's like, no, they can't teach me. They do this other thing. They do the other thing. They like, yeah. what, like who's at the supermarket selling lottery tickets right now? Come on. Like gotta, somebody's got to be behind the counter selling Salem 100s and fucking scratch your lottery tickets. God damn it. <laughs> so Adam, yeah. 
we're coming up on another anniversary of the satellite years on on October 15th, 2002. So that makes the album, let's see, 12, 19? 22, take away two, uh, 18 <laughs> or 19 years old? Sure. Yeah. Now, how how do you think of the legacy of that record? Because for me, I I kind of... I kind of fell out of hardcore. I used to tour with This Day Forward a lot, and they were my friends, but I I don't know. I, I just stopped listening to hardcore for a little while, and once they broke up, I kind of dropped out for a little bit. But Hope's Fall were one of the last bands I got into before all that happened, and Satellite Years was such an important record. You know, I just really liked it. I really liked what was going on. It didn't sound like anything else. And I discovered Hum at the same time, because Brendan from Brendan Ekstrom from This Day Forward and now Circus Survive. He showed me, he had an advanced copy of Satellite Years that someone gave him, and we were listening to it in someone's house, and we listened to Escape Pod from Intangibles, and he's like, do you ever hear Hum? And I'm like, who's that? And he's like, you never heard Hum? So he showed me, <laughs> you prefer an astronaut? So I discovered Hope's Fall, I discovered Hum. It's just a lot of memories associated with that record, and this time of year always makes me think of that record because... uh you know, the tour ended and I came home and I was like, what the fuck am I going to do? And, you know, just like, I don't know. There's a lot of feelings around it for me. So how how do you think of the legacy of that album? Um, I've never really thought about it much, honestly. Um, And you know what? That's fascinating because like, here's this record that's important to me and so many other people. And you're like, oh, I did it. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, I have fond memories of, making the album and writing the album with my friends and playing the songs live at, you know, all across the, the country and, you know, in other countries. And, um, you know, I, you know, I hear and I read the things, you know, you know how it's, you know, it, it always makes like a list. Uh, yes. every once it's always in, in those yeah. lists and that's got to feel good, right? It, it all it feels great, but I always kind of attribute it to like, Oh, okay. So the guy who wrote this list, must just be one of our, um, one of our fans, you know, like I, I, I feel like not that we don't belong in those lists, but it's just amazing to me that it, it ends up in those lists. Um, mm -hmm. you know, and we're not talking about like lists for the shittiest records that came out in, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's always but like I, best hardcore yeah. <laughs> of the two thousands, best post hardcore best, you know, like right. those type of lists. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. I guess just from, being in the band and, and doing the album. I don't know. It like when I'd like to say that when we were recording the record, I'd like to say that at one point we all looked at each other and were like, yes, this is, this is our opus, you know, whatever. But I mean, really it was just like, Oh, uh, this is cool to us. I sure hope people like it now that we're on you know, trust kill. And this is our first release on this album, you know, this, this record label. And it's, it's a follow up. It's the first thing we've done since no wings to speak of, which, um, people really seem to like. And, mm -hmm. um, so I don't know. I mean, it's very flattering. I'm very grateful that, that so many people, um, it resonated with so many people and, um, but it's just, I don't know. I'm just always, my personality is just, I don't, I just, I can never see something that I've created as 
like super great that other people are going to love, you know? So when I do hear that, you know, it's on these lists and that it's an important album to so many people, it's just like, wow. Like, I don't, I don't get it, but wow. Thank you. You know, cause a lot of the times when I'm listening back onto that record, if I ever do, I'm just so focused on like what, you know, 21 year old me or 20 year old me was was playing, you know, just like, God, I was, I was being really spastic there. And like, I didn't really think that part out very good. And I don't know, (laughs) I just hear every little, every missed hit, you know, every imperfect, you know, hit that I, that I made or didn't make. And it's just, I, I wish I could hear it from, you know, the vantage point of, you know, a fan or someone that wasn't there when the songs were written and played a million times and practiced a million times and recorded a million times, you know, to get the right take or to not fuck up, you know? So I don't know. I I love to be able to hear it with fresh ears for the first time as someone who didn't know what was coming, you know? Yeah. And you know, that's a healthy attitude because I put out an EP a couple years ago and it was the first time I sang on a record. I was like the front man. And I was like, this is the best record that's ever been recorded. And now everybody else is going to find out. And this is going to be the beginning of my music career at 36 years old. And I'm going to play music for the rest of my life. And it's going to be awesome. And that didn't happen. So, <laughs> so Adam, I, w- I was in a band uh, with... Um, Anthony from from Circa Survive before he was in Circa and because of him being in Circa a lot of people found this band and I have not played music since I was 18 years old 19 years old like I mean I still have a guitar and I still I mean I still play at my house I play you know with my kids and stuff but I have people like not often but once in a while somebody will contact me through like youtube or instagram because anthony will repost a picture of us from when we were younger and then i wake up in the morning and i have 84 new friend requests oh wow (laughs) the fuck is who are these people it's always like some 16 year old from southern california i'm like who are these kids anthony must have posted something again with yeah yeah and then i go and look at it and it's he's like here's a picture of us from when we played at the high school dance when we were 16 and i'm like oh okay that makes sense all right but then like people will reach out and they'll be like that album made st- like it this means so much to me and i'm like really, really? Yeah. Like, that's, a, that's a, uh, okay cool um i'm psyched that you're you're into it i i actually once in a while will go back and listen to it and i go wow we were really bad like <laughs> yeah like, we, we were just like the the last thing we recorded i was really really happy with it was a four song ep and keith i had the same thing i was like wow we're gonna like this is we're gonna get exposure from this the songs are really good yeah like anthony sounds great like this is gonna be cool and then i went away to college and jd went away to college and then we were just like all right guess we're not having a band anymore because <laughs> then anthony called me and was like yo i'm in this band in california and i'm like what like i thought you were coming up to visit me in school like i have a lacrosse game next weekend come on dude like and he's like ah, I, I gotta be in california nah, fuck that <laughs> Ooh, shit. and like then you know like a month later he's like yeah i'm in this band say ocean i'm like oh this is awesome okay like yeah. i get it like yeah this well is- tommy <laughs> if, if this makes you feel better one of those one of the songs from that four song ep is our closing song for the podcast and oh yeah pe- 
people often ask us what it is. Okay. So, yeah, so, so that's All a compliment. Right. No one ever asks what the opening song is, but but they do ask about the closing song. <laughs> it's funny though. It's like like Adam, like you were saying, like when you're in the midst of something like that, you don't you don't think about how it's going to be received in five, ten, fifteen years. Like you just go, okay, that's done now. Let's yeah. let's go to Taco Bell. Let's let's go get something to eat. Like let's let you know. You just live your life, and then you know afterwards when people say stuff to you like i still i i'm always like you know we just sent out uh we posted a thing the other day of like a bunch of old stickers that um a mutual friend had dropped off and he was like i had a bunch of these old stickers um in my mom's basement you guys should you know just do something with them give them away do whatever and i was like oh okay cool and he was like we put them on there and keith was like yo since you have them can you mail them out for me i was like yeah of course so people are like you know, DMing us saying like, I want this and I want this. And I was like, I thought here am I like, I'm like, I'm going to be holding on to these stickers forever. I'm going to have to like parse these out, keep them somewhere where I'm going to remember them. And then it, the stickers were gone in a, like a day and a half. Really? Like, because everybody had fond memories of it. And I, like, I had to, I had to like text people back and be like, yo, I'm sorry. We're out of audience of one stickers or that. I'm the sorry. The audience that- of one stickers were a hot commodity. Cause that's Anthony's first band. Yeah, and those are those are one of a kind. Those were the only ones left in the world, all the way back from what nineteen ninety nine. Yo, and if anybody sells those on fucking eBay, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm seriously gonna like in my head. I'm going like if if you you, I, I better go to your house and see this on like you it better be on an amp when I go to your house. Yeah, like, like because in my head I'm going like. I'm giving giving these away to people, and I'm like, are these worth money? <laughs> they can't be like they can't be worth anything. But like, um, who somebody posted it today and like mentioned like us in a in one of their stories, Mitchell, yeah. Post, and I was like, dude, that was so cool because he's right. He's like, this is he's like, if you were involved in late '90s hardcore and you lived in this area, this is what everybody's stickers looked like. <laughs> Yeah. He's, he's not wrong. Every single sticker looked exactly like that. It was like well, some it was, font from. It was one person making them all. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it was, it was just, Keith just making everything. Yeah. So, how many stickers did you get? Did you have to mail them out, or were you just like local pickup only, or what? Tommy mailed them out, and I'm I'm so happy that he volunteered to do it. This whole thing was his idea, and it's yeah. a great idea because we were just sitting on this stuff, and I I would have never done it. I would have never sat there with the envelopes and the stamps and oh, yeah, t- keeping track of the stickers. I I just wouldn't have done it. So bless you, Tommy, yeah. for, and this is for how doing o- that. This is how overworked I was this summer because I was working a couple different jobs, like writing curriculum for a different schools. And uh, <laughs> today when Keith, I was like, oh, I'm so glad we did that. I saw that guy reposted, like Mitchell reposted that. And he was like, this was your idea. I was like, are you really? I thought this was yours. Like, I really thought it was Keith's idea. Cause like, I, I, I was like, where I, are you sure? And he's like, yeah, I'm positive. Like I would never volunteer to mail a bunch of shit out. I was like, Oh, all right. Seriously. That's the worst. Like I'd, I'd probably have the idea of something like that. Like, Oh, I found this pile of hope Hall stickers. DM me if, if you want one. And then like after 10 would come in, I'd be like, Oh fuck. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. New update. I'm not doing this. Sorry. <laughs> exactly. If yeah. if I if I can accomplish it by sitting in front of a computer, I will happily volunteer to do it. 
If I have to go buy something or leave the apartment, I'm not going to do it. I did. I had to go buy stamps. And I was like, I, yeah. I'm standing there and I'm like, all right, let me just get stamps. I, I, and I got them at the supermarket anyway. So it was just like I was I was already out. So I was like, I got them and I came home and I started looking through the addresses and I'm like, I don't even know how to mail a letter anymore. Like one of the addresses was like Los Angeles. I'm like, do I have to put two stamps on this? Like, do I? I don't know. I'm like, yeah, I think it's just it's just one stamp and it's those forever stamps. I'm like, all right, cool. Adam, I have to ask you, while we're on the subject of stickers, did you guys make a bunch of those uh, Josh with the wine glass Hope's Fall stickers? Yeah, that was me. Yeah, I, I did like, uh, there's probably like 250 of those things <laughs> <laughs> just sitting in a cabinet at work right now. That's beautiful. I, I need some of those. Yeah. Now, Josh doesn't seem to be a huge fan of that of that whole thing. Oh, no, Josh loves them. Josh loves them. He loves, okay, good. He loves all <laughs> pictures of himself and... Um, especially when it's on a yoga mat with a glass of wine in hand. Okay, good. Because I was afraid he was mad about it because I told him, I was like, I used that picture in one of the posts, like for an episode he was on. And he was like, he he was like, I hate you for posting that picture. And I was like, dude, this is a now classic picture. Oh yeah. No, he he does hate it. I was being sarcastic, but yeah, he, he absolutely, he he hates it. That's why I did it. You know, so I'm just I'm just waiting on the hoodies to uh, come out of production. Uh, oh, dude, I need some of that. It's such a good picture. He's just like, you know, he looks like he's about to tell. He looks like he's about to review like a vineyard. It's great. <laughs> I was like, as soon as I, I think a a buddy of mine texted it to me. We're I'm I'm on like a constant text messaging thread with uh with Josh and then our other buddy Chris Moffitt. Yeah. Um. And Chris always, Chris is always hanging out with Josh, and uh, he always gets some of the best pictures of him. And uh, I think he sent that one through, and immediately I was like, like forwarded it to the art guy at work, and I was like, "All right, I need this picture, and can you just put Hope's Fall underneath it in our font, and then bring it on down to me, and I'll do the rest." And he's like, "Yeah, no problem." <laughs> so. Did Josh find out by someone putting the sticker on his car? Uh, no, I think, I think as soon as, no, he came, he came and visited me at work. Um, he dropped off like a, like a shit ton of beer for me. And, uh, and I just printed them that day and I did want to just kind of hold on to them until yeah. like may, I would maybe sneak one on his car or something like that. But I was just so excited about him. I had just had to show him, uh, before he left. And he was like, he's like, dude, he's like, what are you going to do with those? <laughs> like i don't know but i got a lot <laughs> will that merchandise be available at hope Sh- hopes fall shows at some point oh yeah if we play shows for sure i'll take them with but i ain't mailing anything out oh <laughs> i love that i love that maybe to you you know we'll, we'll we'll talk later i i can make one trip to the to the post office yeah yeah we'll talk i i, yeah. I would love to have that on my uh pedal case that'd be good oh oh dude yeah i'll get you one i'll get you one. okay we're talking about Satellite Years. Okay, so Satellite... Yeah, now Satellite Years, that's exciting. It's a new LP. Your first LP... No, your second, second LP yeah. coming out on Trustkill Records. And Trustkill had an amazing run of bands and records at that time. You have 18 Visions. You have Walls of Jericho. You have Poison the Well, who are massive. Yeah. You have... Uh, who's the other one? Bleeding Through. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, yeah. Nora. Um, yeah. Yeah. Man. Yeah, I don't think I thought about that until you just started rattling off those bands. Yeah, there was it was a st- it was a loaded roster for sure. So you weren't even thinking about that back then? I'd be like, "Yo, we're writing this 
uh, LP. We're recording it with Matt Talbot of Hum. We're coming out on Trust Kill Records. This shit's going to be the best. Dude, no. no wow. I mean, for me personally, I can't speak for the other guys, but no, I just, I just, I was just looking forward to, well, A, I, I think the most, the most exciting thing was that we were going to be in the studio with Matt Talbot, not just recording an album, but like we were going to be spending like quality time with this dude whose music we've loved, you know, for just, just being with him for like a few weeks, you know, and we're happy to be making an album with him uh, while we're doing that. But like, I don't know. It was just that. I think that was the most exciting part, honestly. I mean, yes, but yeah, re- recording what we had practiced and written and, you know, getting it out on that label was all wonderful. And we were all super stoked about that as well. But, you know, um, I mean, that it just wasn't in my mind like, yes, everything is coming together perfectly. And this is everything's riding on this or it's going to be this is going to be awesome or anything like that. I was just it's just the next thing we're doing. I got you. Yeah, see, that that's a healthy attitude. I always imagined that whatever I was putting out was going to be the thing that saved me or something, or the biggest thing ever, or I hoped it would be at least. So, I mean, that's a healthy attitude. And I mentioned this when Josh was on. Like, if I if I were recording a record that was coming out on, like, a big metalcore slash whatever label, and Matt Talbot was recording it, and he was going to guest on a song, and we were playing Golden Knight in between takes. Like, if I die and go to heaven, that's my heaven. That's it. It sounds really good. Yeah. And I wish, maybe, maybe I wish I would have been a little bit more uh, understanding of that position that, you know, I was in back then. And looking back on it now and hearing you phrase it the way you did, yeah, that that was all very, very special. And, but I just wasn't, in that mindset at the time. But then again, I mean, I mean, think about like someone, I was reading a post the other day from uh, a guy on Instagram uh, that I follow, Greg. And, um, you know, he was, he was kind of reflecting on, you know, when he was younger and in high school and, you know, hanging out, you know, at his church with his youth group on like these fall evenings and it, you know, and, um, you know, just wishing that, you know, things could be simpler, you know, like they were back then. But then he kind of remembered like, no, shit, shit sucked in high school. And it wasn't easy being a a teenager, you know, when you were there doing it, you know. But yeah. now when you're knocking on 40 and you're looking back, you have a, you know, a different perspective. And I think that's kind of what... um you know, looking back on the satellite years thing, you know, that, that kind of same, you know, scenarios happening now, you know, things seemed so much, you know, sweeter looking back because life hasn't been wearing you down or beating on you, you know, for all these years. But, um, so, you know, it's just a little bit of perspective and, um, you know, back then when you're a teenager, you can't wait to grow up because, oh, shit's so much easier when you're an adult. You don't, you know, you'll, you'll have a job, you're making money, you got a wife and kid, you don't have to do homework or, you know, go to school and do what your parents tell you and all this shit, you know. So you're, 
constantly, uh, you know, panning for the other thing that's not right there in your life at that time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. How oh, yeah. how no. old were you when uh, you were recording satellite years? Let's see. We recorded in what, 2002. So I was born in 81, 91, 2001. So like 21, 20, something like that. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, especially at that age, it's hard to live in the moment or appreciate the moment. I know I didn't. I don't like. I have a different perspective anyway because m- most of my life I just spent in the pursuit of getting fucked up, like, you know, drunk or high or whatever else. So I look back on a lot of stuff and say, oh, I didn't appreciate that or I missed out on that or I didn't do this, you know, or I should have done this. But now now more than ever, I'm doing exactly what I want to do. So much more I can look at what I'm doing and say, this is fucking awesome. Like, I'm doing it. I'm doing it all now. Exactly. So Satellite Years comes out. Now you're touring, and that's when I met you guys. You, it was August before the record came out, and we were on a tour. And I don't know, did you see a jump? Did you did uh, before or right after the record came out? Could you feel things kind of heating uh, up? Y- y- yeah, um, that's when we really started touring. I mean, we had done, you know, before that. We could. I mean, I was still. I graduated in '99. Um, so we still hadn't toured a lot and we didn't have, you know, well, along with Trustkill came uh management and um um a um what's the word? uh tour uh booking agency. Um so before that we were mm-hmm. still really only doing um just like short little runs our that we had booked ourselves, you know, up the east coast you know, down to Florida, like over to, you know, like Tennessee and stuff like that. So yes, like we did start noticing, uh, an uptick in, you know, attendance and, and just overall excitement about the band. But I just kind of figured, oh, it's because now we have a booking agent and we're getting on these, like these cool tours. And of course there's going to be a lot of people there and, um, you know, I just, I don't know. We were, I was very just really blind to just, just the, the overall reception we had. So yeah, you, Adam, you ended up leaving the band a couple weeks before the recording of the next record. Yes. Correct. Yeah. Right before, um, a types was recorded. Now I'm going to put you on the spot and ask why there were, there were a couple factors, but um, the, the main one, being completely honest, was uh, uh, a new relationship uh, that I just started with a, a new girlfriend. Okay. Um, so you wanted so, to get off the road? Yeah, because I felt that my previous relationship uh, was killed by the time that we spent on the road touring satellite years. Mm-hmm. Um, so just we just changed our entire sound. Uh, well, not our sound, but like we went from, you know, screaming, uh, doing very linear, uh, you know, um, writing, you know, mm-hmm. not, not repeating a lot of the same parts to like this more, like we're going to take a stab at like, you know, verse chorus, you know, bridge chorus, you know, kind of stuff. Um, Jay's going to be doing all singing just about, you know, 90% singing, 
Um, it was all, it was all new. It was a little scary. And I saw the, you know, I saw the, the agenda, you know, coming at me, which was okay. After we go record this record, it's going to be another straight year of constant touring, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, like I said, I was just started this new relationship with this girl that I liked. And I thought, man, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I can go through this again. I just kind of want to be here in Charlotte hanging out with this new girl. And, you know, at the same time, uh, my job was picking up a lot. Um, and I think they were getting a little tired of me keeping on leaving and coming back for like a week at a time and leaving again. But yeah, I mean, let's, let's just say girl. Are you still with the girl today? No, that, that oh. lasted about that lasted about eight months. Okay, well, <laughs> you, you know, did were there any? Did it affect your relationship with the the rest of the people in the band at all? Was there any hard feelings? Uh, if there was, I was never aware of them. Uh, I I felt I felt bad on my end, you know, quitting so so close to going to the studio. You know, and I, I really wanted to go to the studio and do those songs. And my my intention was to just kind of keep that information to myself that I was going to quit until mm -hmm. after we recorded the album. Mm -hmm. um, but like something came up in a practice or something like that. Uh, you know, we were trying to trying to finish up the rest of the songs because we were running out of time before we had to go to the studio and um something came up in practice where we were all just kind of sitting down and talking, you know, about like how we felt about the songs and it, you know, and, and I, I just started, you know, just thinking about it and it just kind of came out, you know, like, well, you know, I think the songs are good, but you know, I gotta let you guys know, like, I, I just, this is it for me, you know? And, um, you know, but, but I, you know, I still intend to go record these songs with you guys. So, you know, don't worry about that. But, you know, after that, um, you, you know, you're gonna have to find a new drummer. Um, so it was maybe like a few days later, Josh, you know, came over and talked to me and he was like, Hey, um, you know, obviously we had our friend Adam Baker, who was like a really, really awesome drummer here in Charlotte. And I think mm -hmm. it was always known uh, that, you know, that he would be the next drummer in line. Um, you know, so Josh came over, he's like, Hey, um, just to let you know, we're going to ask Adam Baker to come, you know, to the studio and record these songs. You know, if he's going to be in the band and he's going to be the one touring, you know, this record, you know, we kind of like him to make it his own. And I was like, you know, that's fair. You know, yeah. I, I, I wanted to do this, but, uh, you know, that was kind of just kind of selfish of me, but, Absolutely. You know, so, you know, Adam Baker learned the, the songs that we had written. I think we were like eight songs into a types, mm -hmm. uh, when I quit. So Adam kind of learned those real quick and then wrote two additional songs with them in the studio and, and, and made that album his own. So you ended up touring with hopes fall again on during a types though, right, Adam? Uh, yeah. Towards the end of a types. Yes. Yeah. So was it weird to be back now playing those songs because now did you have any weird feelings like oh i don't want to play these songs because i didn't record it because i get petty like that 
Like, you know, if if an old band of mine wanted to reunite, I wouldn't play songs that I didn't write. Or, if the, you know, if there was like a new guy, I'd be petty like that. I'd be like, no, I don't want to do that. Did you did you have anything like that? Oh, no. I was honestly, I was stoked because uh, I guess by that time, my relationship um, was, I think, over by then. And uh, I just kind of felt like, oh, sweet. I got to kind of have my cake and eat it too. You know, I I get to come back and, and help the guys out again. And at that point we had a tour lined up for Brazil, um, which was, you know, a no brainer. So I, I was totally grateful that they, that they wanted me to, to come back and help out with that stuff. So I was, I was stoked. I had no problems playing any of those songs. I loved them. I mean, I was a fan of them. So. Yeah. I guess you, you were an original member writing them anyway so right yeah just except two of them so and i mean you know stuff changes a little bit too from from uh you know the the songs i did help write to how you know what the other adam put on them but still i mean yeah what was fun is i actually kind of got to go back and play the songs uh you know some of the songs on a types the the original way that i wrote them which um which i always I always think it's cool when I'm going to go see a show if, um, you know, if the band or the drummer in particularly uh, does something a little different from what you hear on the album, you know, yeah. um, I'm a fan of that. So I, th- I think it worked out pretty sweet and I was stoked. That's great. How was that Brazilian tour? Now that, that seems like an important tour to you guys. I've seen several members post about that. Was How was that? It was amazing. It was by far my favorite tour we've ever played um the the kids were just so grateful and so happy um that we were there playing for them um you know they speak portuguese over there and i mean there was there was definitely a language barrier and um but like it just didn't matter like once the show started and after the show once you know you know we were talk, talking to you know anybody who wanted to come and talk to us uh, we somehow made it happen, you know, and it, everybody it was just so happy. And it was just like this euphoric, just feeling after each show. And it was, it was just incredible. I don't, I don't know how to put it into words. And it's a beautiful country. Like that's, it is. I spent, uh, a little bit over two weeks in Brazil with my wife and it was so fucking, it was just, it was just amazing. Like all of it was just amazing. What city? So when we went, uh, my wife's brother was actually an exchange student there and, uh, he was very, very close with the family. So they invited him back, um, to do his, like, he hadn't been there for 10 years. So he was like, Oh, I want to come back. And he was completely fluent in Portuguese. So he lived in a place called Arastatuba. Um, we flew into, um, Rio. It was about four hours inland by car. Okay. Um, so we did Arastatuba, uh, we did Rio and then, um, where else did we go? We went to a whole bunch of different places, but we just stayed with a family. We didn't stay in a hotel or we didn't do any like really touristy stuff except for Rio. And, um, it was really nice is because the whole time we were there with people, everybody was like everybody we were with, with the sole exception of my wife and myself and, um, my brother-in-law's wife at the time, uh, everybody spoke fluent Portuguese. 
Uh, so they understood the money. They like, they had all of our money changed over. Like when we would like go out, like I'd be like, I'm really hungry. They'd be like, let's go to a restaurant. Um, and they would order in Portuguese. They would have like, so like we never got like screwed on anything. Like right. it was so much fun. And the people we stayed with, um, the guy, um, it was an apartment building, but the whole top two floors of the apartment building were ours. So it's kind of like a double penthouse kind of thing. And I had never seen one. I'd never seen people this rich before or been around people this rich before. And I had also never seen poverty like that. Like, mm. uh, that was kind of like eye opening to me was there was seemingly no real middle class. It was people who were either affluent and, and very wealthy and had nice cars or people worked as maids or, or servants in houses. It was very, very strange. Uh, I, I felt really guilty a, a handful of times where like, you know, we were staying in the house. I, I, uh, they had like a gym there. I was like, Oh, I'm going to go for a run. So I went for a run on the treadmill and I came back upstairs and I, you know, got in the shower. I left my dirty clothes on the floor and I came back out and my clothes were gone. And I was like, uh Oh, like something's weird here. So I think went to my brother-in-law and I was like, uh, my clothes are gone. He's like, Oh yeah, the maid took them. She's probably washing them right now. Wow. And sure enough, like after dinner, which was prepared for us, like we came back, the dude was like like literally like all my clothes from that day were washed, dried, folded and put on the edge of my bed. And I was like, "Oh, this is not cool." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would feel too bad. I'd be like, "You don't have to do it." Like really? I I wear the same shit multiple days in a row. It's cool. Like, I started hiding my my clothes like because <laughs> I was just like I I don't want them to have to take care. I don't want them to wait hand and foot on me. Yeah. Um, but the nice part was um because we had when we came we had American money with us. We gave all the maids uh cuz they had four uh, we gave all the maids uh, tips in American money. And I remember the, the one tip maid, I was like, here. And I we had, you know, because we got money to go. So like, you know, I got money out of the bank. It was like, they gave me like 50s. And I gave her a $50 bill. And she stared at me for a second. And I was like, okay. And <laughs> she, was, she looked at like uh, the father of the family and then looked back at me. And she was like, I don't know how to split this. And I was like, no, that's yours. Like, that's for you. And she was like, I, I guess they, they're they used to American money. They've seen it before. But I don't think she'd ever, like the same way that how often do you run into a $50 bill? You don't. Like, you Never. You don't see 50s or 100s ever, right? <laughs> like, yeah. She was like. I'm not in that tax bracket. Yet, well, me neither. Like, when I got the money out, I was like, I need $800 to go to Brazil. And they were like, all right, here's a bunch of 50s and some ones. I'm like, shit. <laughs> I should have I been more clear about this. I'd like $20 bills so I can, like, do stuff with it in fives. Like, but, uh, yeah, she was like, I've never, like, they, she actually thought it was fake at first. Like, she was like, I've never seen this before. Like, oh, it's, it's, it's fake play money. <laughs> it's real money. I promise. Like, go spend it somewhere. Go buy nice stuff for you and your kids. Holy shit, man. Wow. Yeah. So, Adam, did you have like kids singing along and stuff in Brazil? Yes. Yeah. That that must be amazing. I've I've been in one hardcore band ever, and you know my limited time in that band just just to watch people go nuts to songs you write, it's the best feeling in the world. So to be in a foreign country and watching people react to these songs you wrote, it it has to be incredible. Oh yeah, it's it's just mind blowing. I mean, 
that's that's what I was gonna get to. Yeah, just like seeing these kids that can't have a conversation with you after the show's done, but yet you look out and you see these same kids uh, that are trying to interact with you now. You saw them and you remember them being front row singing every lyric, uh, <laughs> you know, into the microphone. Uh, it's just it's just wild, totally wild. That's incredible, and yeah, you know, I wish. I was around for the A types in the magnetic north era. I you know, I disappeared into partying and I got really into post rock and I just I just got away from a lot of hardcore. So when I finally got my act together in uh what year was it? 2017 and you know, stopped killing myself basically. I just kind of picked up right where I left off when I was 20 years old. And I was like, "Oh, I remember Hope's Fall. They were cool. Let me throw on Satellite Years." So actually, it was right before I got my act together. I remember being really, really high and like going to see my psychiatrist and I was listening to A-types for the first time and Magnetic North. And I was like, I was like, wow, I missed out on all these great records. So I wish I could have seen you guys uh, back then. But listen, it all worked out because I got my shit together. And right around the same time, you announced you were getting back together. And I was right. like, what the fuck? Is this like a sign from the heavens or something? Because based, I, I did like a deep dive on you guys and I, I listened to a lot of interviews and read a lot of shit. And I just, I just assumed you really hated each other <laughs> based on things that I read. Interesting. And I was like, I was like, these guys are never getting back together. You know, like this, it's never going to happen. So I was, I was surprised when I read that you did. Well, yeah, I mean, I was, yeah, I was out. Again, you know, after I came back and toured on some of the A type stuff, you know, then they went on and got a got Jason to play drums and write, you know, for Magnetic North. So I I really don't know what the state of the band was other than, you know, you hearing Josh talk, you know, um yeah. um towards the end of Magnetic North. I, I think Josh had been doing it especially for so long. Um Yes. But um yeah, I I don't I don't think they I wouldn't say they hated each other. I don't, and that I, was just, let me clarify, that's just my perception. Right. Because okay. I know, I know that there was turmoil with the label, but that doesn't have to do with the band. And then I think everyone was out of the band at one point and Jay might've gotten mm-hmm. all new people to finish the magnetic North tour. Yeah. So this, this is just a leap in logic that, that I came to for some reason. Um, but did you, so you were out of the band for Magnetic North. It sounds like you kept in touch with Josh. Did you were you pretty much friendly with everyone still? Oh yeah, absolutely. So me thinking people hated each other is probably something I just made up in my mind and that's okay. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe not. I mean, <laughs> I mean when you're when you're when you're touring with certain people, you know, for so long, you know, every you're you're bound to to get sick of each other a little bit here and there. But yeah, I don't, I think, I think the end of Hope's Hall was definitely, um, I think Trustkill had more to do with it than actual band member relationships. I think when Trustkill yanked, um, you know, Josh's favorite song off of Magnetic North without even letting the band know, I think Josh was just like, what am I even doing this for? If this is my music, this is like, you know, our music. And this guy is just going to, tell me I, we can't put this song on the record like all right done you know right. and that's what he said too and you know it's annoying because that song is not on magnetic north on spotify so i have to then go to youtube which tommy fucking loves 
to listen to <laughs> that to listen to that song. I wish it was just all on one record on a streaming service. Is that uh Saskatchewan? Yes. We actually we played that at St. Vitus uh or at the uh the shows that we played when Arbiter came out and that was a lot of fun playing that cuz um you know, I didn't write that, but I I I really enjoyed uh you know playing what Jason wrote and I just think it was uh, a lot of fun to to get out there and play live because a lot of people probably never heard that, you know, and um for those the the, the few that did know that song existed um you know i think it was a little bit of a treat to to hear it live so i was very happy to see it in the set list and i'm glad i got to witness it it was awesome yeah yeah, yeah spotify's a we get so many messages uh why don't you have this on spotify why don't you have that on spotify like i i just can't i just can't answer every single person the same way it's like I, dude it's not up to us we don't we don't own the music, you know, like, yeah, you don't do it. Yeah. yeah. You can't just tell a band, put this song up. It's your song, put it up there and you, Oh, okay. Yeah. We'll get right on that. And you know, like, of course, if it was up to us, everything we ever wrote would be available to everybody everywhere, you know, but unfortunately, you know, with trust kill going under, it's, I, I guess just the whole licensing and all that of trying to get it up there is just a lot of, bullshit that someone's going to have to go through just to make that happen so i don't know what the answer is to all that right is is everything with equal vision now or does Truskill still still have those first three records um i think equal vision only got the license for the vinyl uh represses i got you so yeah i would i would imagine that Truskill or whoever absorbed the, right. those right. rights yeah still own that the other the other records okay so while we're wishing for things whoever uh absorbed trust kill put saskatchewan back on magnetic north and put it on streaming services just just to make my life more convenient there we go throw that yeah. out there thank you yeah we can just go to youtube i mean yeah <laughs> yeah i do that too i do that too and um let's see i was gonna say oh we were talking about this in the beginning of the episode. It's funny that you mentioned like, yeah, with any creative endeavor, any creative ende- endeavor with whoever it is, there's going to be turmoil. And that's what Tommy and I talked about in the beginning of this episode, because, you know, we had some te- technical things to work through and I, I got upset and I-, I wanted to make sure I wasn't being a dick, basically. So we we worked through all of that. So see, with any creative venture, whether it's Hope's Fall or whether it's the Northeast Scene podcast, there's there's going to be things to work through. That's right. And you got to do it with grace and compassion and all that bullshit. And exactly. I think the biggest thing for, especially with us, is just remember why we do this. Like, we do this because we, we really do love it. Like, we love talking about music. We love talking, telling stories about shit. Like, it's just such a big part of, like, why we look fondly back on those times. And it's like, it's huge for us because now we actually get to talk to people and ask them questions about like, okay, so when you were recording this, what did it look like? Or when you guys had these problems, what did, like, what ended up solving it? Or like, you know, that type of stuff is just so fun for us because it, it gives us another outlet to kind of just express ourselves. And at the same time, like, 
learn shit. Like we, we, I mean, Keith and I just, just from that argument alone, like just learn, like, okay, we can deal with each other in a way that's, you know, calm and we can work through shit because ultimately the most important thing is like, we want this show to survive and we want our friendship to survive. So we got to figure something out. Exactly. Yes. And this, this show has to continue. It saves my life. I need every minute to be occupied with something, anything. So, well, something productive. So plus, you know, and I talked about this a couple episodes ago, like I'm 38 now, Tommy's the same Uh, age. He's got a, he's got a wife and three kids I've got a girlfriend and a full-time job and, you know, my girlfriend has a 14-year-old child. We're probably not going to end up as touring musicians. <laughs> <laughs> it's not looking good. Yeah. yeah so yeah. this this podcast is perfect because, it you know, it gives me the connection with the artists that I love, whether they be old or new. We discover a cool band. I can message them and sometimes they'll come on the show. And that's fucking cool. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. Some, you know, sometimes people don't, and that's okay too. I just look at it as they're not here yet. Yeah, yet. and I mean, once this episode goes live and the world sees you got Adam Morgan on your show, uh, who's going to turn you down? Nobody. <laughs> exactly. Nobody. Uh, oh, my my girlfriend's child had had some advice. She's like, you should get. She's like, you should get artists on who younger people would like too. like you should get billy eilish and i was oh, like yeah just do that dude i was like absolutely i i would absolutely have billy eilish on well, we just yeah. had leaving from fear so you know that was we're, a good get man we're getting that, huge that was that was a good get that's gonna open doors <laughs> when i got off the when i when we got off that uh podcast keith and i were talking and i was like well that's the biggest guest I can get. So <laughs> my dad doesn't have any other famous friends. So we're kind of fucked. Yeah. <laughs> we kind of, kind of, kind of blew our load on that. Like that's we don't have anything left. Like I got, I got a whole lot of nothing after this. Oh wait, no, we're we're supposed to act like we have a lot going oh, on. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we got tons. Yeah, yeah, we we've we've got a lot of tricks up our sleeve, folks. So a lot of big guests in the works. Yeah, oh, Bill, yeah. Billy we, Idol, right? Is that what Billy Idol? Whatever. <laughs> Billy Idol, the guy Yo, from X. Remember him? <laughs> that dude. Bill, Billy Idol would be sick too. But listen, we're here talking to Adam Morgan. So yeah, there we go. Sorry. Okay, yeah. come on, guys. So <laughs> so hopes fall is dormant for a long time, right? Yep. Now. Josh told the story of how this the whole thing started coming together again in what like 2010 or something. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you guys were going bowling and and drinking beers and and playing music again, but it was not going to be hopeful. It, it wasn't hopeful. Exactly. Yeah, and even before that, uh, yeah, I think Josh was still in the band. Magnetic North was still, you know, was coming out, and um, me and Chad. Uh, the bass player for satellite years. Um, mm-hmm. we had started playing together, just trying to do shit. And then, you know, we heard then Josh, you know, told us that, uh, that hopes all was done, you know, and that, uh, Jay was going to do another tour with some, with some other players. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so then me and J- Chad were like, huh, let's, uh, let's feel Josh out for a little while. He might just, he might just need a little break, you know, but eventually we're like, so you want to, you want to come jam with us? And then, you know, <laughs> I think Josh at that point when, when Hope's Hall was over, I think he was like, 
I think he was had the mindset of I'm just going to sell all my guitar shit and I'm done with music. But yes. um you know, that that itch came back pretty quickly and uh we got him to play with us. And think then it, about how mind-blowing that is. He leaves Hope's Fall and starts playing with you guys and is writing Hope's Fall songs yeah. and doesn't even know it. Exactly. Because then then we get Dustin yeah. on board. <laughs> And so it's it's me, Chad, Josh, and Dustin. You know, Josh and Dustin were the two guitar players on Magnetic North and A Types, mm-hmm. and you know, me and Chad were there on on um, Satellite Years. So yeah, so then we put together a little. We didn't have a singer, but we had the four of us, and we were just. It was. I mean, it was really awesome. Like you said, we were. Uh, actually. Chat, okay, hold on. Memory's coming back a little bit. Chat, it was just me, Chad, and Josh for a little while, and our buddy Ethan. And we were writing stuff, stuff that was not Hope's Fall stuff. We, it's stuff that we had like four songs that we recorded kind of shittily, but well enough. And we called ourselves Contrails. Um, I think there's one of those songs on YouTube right now. Um, but then that kind of fizzled out and then, then I think it was me, Josh and Dustin started getting together and then Chad lives about maybe 15 miles South of Charlotte. So we just kind of fell out of touch with him for a little while, but then me, Josh and Dustin started writing music and then at a, uh, home failure show, uh, Chad had come into town to go to that show and, uh, you know, we were talking, having some beers and we were telling Chad that, you know, us three were playing together again. And Chad was like, well, shit, I'll play, you know? And, uh, we're like, Oh, well, yeah, of course you will. What? Yeah. Fucking come on. Let's, yeah. So then that's when, uh, we started writing these, these songs that we didn't know were going to be hopes fall. We, we were going to call the band Arbiter, um, which ended up being the name of the album that we went with. But yeah. Sorry, that was a lot of rambling right there. No, it, it's good to have the backstory. And then you guys went and saw Shiner out in Chicago, and that's how you reconnected with Jay, and he got involved, right? Yep, correct. Uh, so me and Josh flew out to Chicago. We had a couple songs uh, recorded, you know, demoed out. And, um, you know, we stayed with Jay for that weekend. And, um, yeah, we knew going up there, we're like, well, let's, Let's just feel Jay out. You know, we need a singer. Um, you know, I feel like maybe like a year had gone by at that point, maybe a year or two uh, since since Hope's Fall. And um, I remember I ended up I ended up going to sleep that night, and Josh and Jay just ended up staying up like all night. And I just remember the next morning I woke up and I was like, Josh, did did you talk to Jay about? about our songs and he was like he's like yeah dude he's in he's in i was like all right sweet (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome and yeah arbiter is tommy and i were talking about this i would depending on the day of the week i would argue it's the best hopes fall album a lot of times a band will go away for a long time and they'll come back and you know sometimes it's good sometimes it's not but arbiter was just a home run oh thank you man I, i i feel the same way it's it feels like everything was leading to that. 
A-types were experimenting with more of a rock sound, uh, magnetic north veered into more dark and, you know, mysterious type stuff. And then it's like Arbiter was, it's like the formula is perfected. We have everything and it's just, you know, it's an album I come back to time and time again. Oh, thank you. I love the sound. This, yes. It's, so it's the, the the mixing, the levels, like everything just works on that album. It's really, really well done. Thank you, man. It it is. It's a rocker. It's it's. I, I enjoy the tones and the sound and the mixing and all that as well. I. It's the album that I regretted. Not. Or, hold on. That's sounding bad. It's <laughs> it's the it's the regret that I had leaving hopes fall i felt like i never got to put out the album that i wanted to like i love satellite years and it was great but there was something that still wasn't just everything i wanted to do in an album um so to get this chance to come back to do another album with hopes fall and to have it recorded where we recorded it you know and to record it with mike watts yes and um and just to see it all come together um was just perfect like it it sounded the exact way that i'd always kind of wanted an album that i was going to be on to sound and i was just so grateful and so excited that i all those years later after i thought that like well, I was in Hope's Hall. It's done. It died 15 years ago or 10 years ago or however long it was. And to be able to get one more shot at it and it came out so well, I was I was just so excited. That's fantastic. Yeah, and that, Mike Watts must be a genius. He records you guys. He He records Gates, another band I love. And that is one of the albums when I recorded my record. That's one of the albums I gave them was Arbiter. I was like, I want it to sound like this. It's just oh wow, an excellent recording. I agree. Thank you. Yeah, those guys know what they're doing, man. It's they're such professionals. They work so quickly. They they set such a a, a good mood uh, and an ambiance and a, just a feeling in the studio. You feel so comfortable, and you just you trust them with what they can do and uh and they just really pulled it all together and made just a really outstanding in my opinion sounding record absolutely it's a it's a classic and i was really happy i got to see you guys i hadn't seen you since that tour in what was it 2002 and you know i went to one of the shows at saint vitus which was great and i was looking forward to more but of course we know that uh the virus has sidelined a few things so well let's say the world gets back to some semblance of normal and live music happens again can can we expect more from hopes fall in the form of more music and more gigs uh yeah definitely um definitely there's more music coming uh i don't know how much i can say but there's we got we got some stuff in the bag already uh we're just kind of just kind of waiting on um so yes new music will be a thing and i would like to think i mean on my end i'm good to go i mean i I can't tour full time but we definitely had some plans uh we were definitely going to do some more northeast uh stuff um that were in the works uh like massachusetts um some canada stuff uh Mm -hmm. 
maybe a New York thing uh, that we had in the works. But yeah, I'm sure if we can get back to some kind of normal, I'm I'm sure that the interest and the desire from all of us, uh, it was still there and we'd love to get back out there. That's fantastic. I'm looking forward to more. And, you know, I just want to say thanks for coming on the show. Hope's Fall has been a band that I love for close to a decade now. And, you know, every fall I go back to Satellite Years, that's like one of my fall records. And, you know, just getting to talk to you guys and getting to do this is is a lot of fun. Oh, man. Thank you, dude. I'm Sorry, I can't be as as smooth and as uh, entertaining as my my buddy Josh, but uh, I, I do appreciate being asked to come on here, and I had a great time talking to you guys. Oh, now don't say that you brought it. You brought it. This is yeah. going to be a now classic episode, and uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. Awesome, guys. Adam, thank you so much. I don't, I would I wish I could you know kind of wrap it up in some kind of clean way, but I think the biggest thing is is that we really got across that like it's making music like this with the people that you love always, whether people respond to it in the way that you hope for or not. I think one of the things that's been really, really obvious is like, Adam, you're a super humble person and you have like never had any kind of like preconceived notions and no like, Oh, well I think this is going to be a classic album. It's like, no, we're just making the music we love and I get to do it with people I want to do it with. So that's a a blessing in and of itself. So I'm just so glad I got to be a part of just even talking to you about those times. So thank you so much for coming on. We really, we do appreciate your time. And I know that uh, you're probably itching to get out and uh, start playing again. So hopefully in the near future, we will, when you guys come to the Northeast, we will, Keith and I will meet up and we'll all hang out and, you know, say hello. Absolutely. I would say have some beers, but that's not an option. <laughs> <laughs> We're all set now. <laughs> wait, wait, who's 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 not drinking? Both of us. Yeah. Have you always have y'all always been like are y'all like uh are y'all crucified to the X, dude? No. Uh we aren't well, I am now by necessity. Right. Uh if I if I have a drink, it's it's gonna end badly. Maybe the end of the podcast. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh Tommy Tommy, you'll drink occasionally, right? Yeah, so I can have a drink from time to time. Like when I was down the shore with my family this summer, um I had I had a couple nights where I had like a drink. Um, but I got to the point where, well, depending on your perspective, I either got really good at drinking or really bad at it. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I haven't kind of, <laughs> that line was, uh, kind of blurred there for a while. Um, and I knew that I needed to slow down. And especially for me, it was like, I, I never felt like I, I got to get up in the morning and drink. I was never like that, like hopeless kind of alcoholic, but um, my drinking started to really affect just the way I was in terms of my personality. I just noticed when I, when I drank, I was fun when I drank the next day I was a monster. Cause I felt like shit. My stomach hurt. I just felt like the hangovers just became too much for me. And the thing was, is I was like, all right, well, I'm going to do this where I, you know, I would, I do this thing where I would like put like change in my pocket and I would move quarters over every time I had a drink. So I'd put five quarters in my pocket and go, I'm only going to have five drinks. And then I'd wake up in the morning and realize like I had 12 drinks. Oh, geez. And my head is pounding. I don't know where the quarters are anymore. 
and used them to buy more drinks yeah like it was just (laughs) it was a nightmare and the thing is it's like as an adult drinking it's really fun to go out and like be casual i can still go to social functions and like have a beer but um the whole idea of like i've i've been at things like for work and people are like let's do shots and i'm always like uh i just i I don't do shots they're like have one so my new this was a trick. I think I actually mentioned this on here before, but my trick was uh, I would take the shot and put it in my mouth. And then I would always have a beer like, cause you know, I had the beer in the first place and spit it into the beer bottle. <laughs> yeah. That's what uh, I, I, I was talking to a, a bartender before and she's, or maybe I saw this in, no, I saw this in the movie Coyote Ugly. She, the, the woman's a bartender and that's what she does. Like to make it seem like she's doing a shot with you. But yeah. doesn't get drunk, so she can keep doing her job. So oh, like, so then she would sip the beer and spit it in the beer. Yeah, yeah. So I stole that idea from uh, there. Was, remember Opie and Anthony that used to be on? They used to do these like live events. Yeah. And the one time uh, Anthony was talking about, it, he's like, "People come up and give you shots," and he goes, "You know, after the third one, you're like, I don't want to do any more shots. Like, I got to go home and do the you know the radio shows on at fucking six o'clock in the morning. Like, I can't be out all night with you guys." So he goes, just to be polite to people, I would just take the shot and then spit it into the the beer bottle. So that's what I started doing. And, you know, at work functions, it's never more like people are like, have a shot. And it's like, OK, I'll have one. And then I just spit it in my beer. And then I go, OK, I got to go. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> the girls have soccer practice. Or, you know, like, I did um, my shot. I have to drive home now. Bye. Yeah. Like, yeah, let me go get a, let me go get in a 3000 pound metal and plastic missile and go drive 55 miles an hour. Exactly. Hold on a second. Um, so yeah, that's it. I'm uh, I'm edge by necessity. Tommy is mostly edge. Yeah, uh, just, by, just by choice at this point. I just don't. I'm not into it anymore. Yeah. Well, yeah. we'll get up. We'll get up, and we'll have some sparkling soda water. Yeah, you know, there, there's that Mexican spot right next to St. Vitus. We're gonna have some Mexican cokes and some tacos, go. and it, it's gonna be coke. It's gonna be fucking good. Uh, I can party like that too. It's fine. <laughs> oh yes. Adam, thank you so much, and uh, yeah, we'll talk to you soon. There you have it, folks. Adam Morgan of Hope's Fall. Yo, everybody in that band is just so nice and cool. Yeah. I always, this is such a, like a North thing to say, but like, I always feel like that people that I meet that are from the South that have like a little bit of an accent, I'm always like, wow, they're so polite. <laughs> like it's yeah. like, it's almost like when you meet someone with an English accent, you're like, wow, they're really smart. It's like, they can be, yeah. I'm just, I'm just reading into your accent as much as I, but no, they, you know, what's really kind of mind blowing to me is that, um, they've all started with this same kind of thing. And you, you made that connection with, with Steve is like, they were all drawn into this type of music through, you know, church. Yeah. And and it's, it's a very, it's hard for me to think about making that connection. Cause like you and I both grew up like Catholic going to Catholic school, like nothing about music was ever like, off the table no one ever said you can't listen to this because it's not in line with you know catholic doctrine i remember going to church and seeing people with nirvana shirts and stuff like that you know what i mean like yeah i I couldn't imagine growing up and then having something be so 
you know, controlling like of like that's a that's a weird. Yeah, I I was allowed to watch anything as long as it didn't have sex in it, which is fucked me up for whole different reasons. But there was never any limits on music. Like I got in trouble for some of the music that I had, but I still had it. You know. Yeah, my mom. Same thing. I remember I had uh, Slayer's South of Heaven. Yeah. Was it South of Heaven or was it Rain and Blood? I just remember there's a song by Slayer called Altar of Sacrifice. And I remember I was in my room and I had it on. And it was like I had like one of those little CD boom boxes I had gotten for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> there's a part in this song where it's just kind of like a break before the solo. And he literally just goes, enter to the realm of Satan. And I was like, my mom literally opened the door at that moment. I was like, Oh no, <laughs> like this is, this is going to be an issue. She's going to, yeah. cause like that was all during that, like satanic panic. Like everybody thought their kids were like worshiping the devil and all that stuff. And I'm like, my mom was, has gone back and forth between being very religious and kind of being like not involved in it. But I knew at that moment, I'm like, Oh, she's going to totally be upset about this. And for some, <laughs> she didn't, she was just like, your music is way too loud. I don't think she understood what he said because he was kind of shouting it, but it was clear. He said, it. I was like, Oh my God, I'm in so much trouble. And she was just like, you have to turn this down. It's way too loud. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. And I had no idea Ryan Parrish was still in the band during the recording of satellite years. Yeah. That, that is brand new news to me. I get confused, especially it, my thing is, is you do really well with that. Like in terms of lineup changes and like how it changed from album to album, I tend to not know that stuff unless it's things like I know Zayo a little bit, like yeah. who, who was on what albums and like when people started being on albums, like, but everything else, I, I always like, I don't know. I don't know it. And I think it comes back to the whole thing with like, sometimes with hardcore, like, remember talking to Mike Shaw and he was like, Oh, I'm going to go see one Oh eight. And he's like, I should have studied before I went. Yeah. (laughs) And it's like, I just, I I don't think that unless the band had like super like inspirational lyrics, like where I go, like, I like what they're saying. Mm -hmm. I just kind of always ignored the, the vocals were just another part, like the guitar or drums. I do now. I never look at lyrics anymore, ever. I just don't care. And no. fa- unless it's something, unless I'm seriously gripped by it. I, like, you know what got me that, uh, you turned me on to them. Uh, that band crafter. Yes. They have some, they have really good lyrics. Like there's a song where he's like, he says, uh, I'm going to learn to reverse the hurt. I'm going to learn to find myself. I'm going to, and it's like, it's all these like really inspirational things. And whenever I'm working out, I always have that on and I'm like, this is so good. Like these, these guys remind me of why I like hardcore. It's those things. It's that sing along kind of. It's like, perfect. It's oh, perfect. Yeah. Heavy and melody. I think they just released their last songs or something. I got to check that out. Check out Crafter people. They're really good melodic hardcore. Super good. They, they just broke up. Some of the guys are starting a new band. I forget the name of it. I gotta, I gotta see what that's about. Start with uh, "Lasting Efforts." That's the song, man. That's the yeah. One. That you know, they played near me, and I. I didn't have anyone to go with. I didn't want to go to a hardcore show alone. It's not that fun to just stand there and not know anybody. So I I didn't go. But you know that's why you need to move up here. <laughs> I I I always think about that. Uh, I, I was actually I had a question. I was thinking about this. So when uh, your girlfriend's daughter goes to school, 
does she walk to school? Does she take a bus? Does she take the subway? Does she get on a school bus? How does that work? She takes, I guess she takes the subway. I'm okay. not even sure because the, the school is in Brooklyn. Okay. Yeah. So I'm, I'm guessing, yeah, it's got to be the subway. Oh, so we talked about this during, let's talk about some show stuff. Okay. Now we talked about it during the, the discussion with Adam. The st- are the stickers are all gone? No. Uh, hold on. What do we I, have left? All right. So I have one, two. I have two this day forward and three Boz Henna. Okay. That's what's left. So these are original stickers from back when these bands were active. Yeah. The, the first stickers the band ever had. We got two this day forward. We got three Boz Henna. Some excellent bands. If you want them, message Tommy on the Instagram, yeah. the NE scene. He'll send it out to you. And uh, if you don't want them, I'll take them because those bands are awesome. Yeah, I I, I was going to say, I almost was like, all right, I'm going to keep some of these for me. But then I go, I, I have stickers of... Like, we know I, the bands. Like, we yeah, lived I, with them. We toured I, with them. Like, yeah, we can I, give it away. Yeah, I don't need it. And it, I think that I have, over the years, like, parted ways with a lot of things in hardcore just because I know other people are going to appreciate it way more than I do. It's just because, yeah. like, it sits... I Like, I have a whole... The only thing I can't part with is, like, I kept... uh went through all my old CDs and like the ones that like I had a real reaction to, I kept. So I kept the first at the drive-in CD that I had, um, you know, uh, disembodied stuff. I kept like, I like CDs that really meant something to me, but that's it. What was I going to do? Oh, we got a new review. Let's talk about yes. that. We got a new review from Mike Miggs. He says, great sounding podcast. Great sounding podcast can hear everything very well. Equal sound levels with the hosts and guest. That's a plus for me. Keith and Tom are great interviewers. Keep it up. Now, thank you, Mike, for writing that. I am insane about the sound. You can ask Tommy. Uh, <laughs> maybe too much. You know, we talked about that no. in the beginning. And that, like I was mentioning, I want this thing to sound great. I hate when podcasts sound cheap. I don't want us to sound like that. And we owe part of our great sound to... Mr. Richie Taver, yes. who mixes each episode for us when we're all done. Shout out to Richie. Uh, if you are inter- if you have a podcast and you're looking for mixing help, he may be able to help you out. So message us and we'll get you in touch with him. His Instagram name has a lot of underscores, so I don't know how to say it, but I can get you in touch with him. So shout out to Richie. And uh, speaking of Richie, he turned me on to this band. I got some band recommendations for you. Ready? Go. He turned me on to this band, Frail Hands. Frail Hands. Okay. Yeah, and their record is Parted slash Departed slash Apart. Okay. It's right up our alley. Good shit. And I'll give you one more. Gatherers. The song is The Floorboards Are Breathing. Okay. It's from their 2018 album, We Are Alive Beyond Repair. And both of those bands are on our playlist our spotify playlist so hit the link in our instagram and you can check out that and a lot more stuff i have it's not a a band yet i don't think they're gonna they're not a band yet let's put it that way but um i have to find it on instagram and i can't uh i'll find it later and i'll i'll post something about it or, or put it up because it is uh keith i've tagged you in it before um it's just a guitar player yeah, from uh, I think he's from like up like Boston, like uh, New England area, right? Um, dude, this kid is so good, and he writes 
really technical math rock stuff, but he does it on acoustic. Mm-hmm. And um, I actually, I was so excited about it because he put a, a track with electric guitars on and it was him and another guy playing together. And it was so good that I literally, I texted TJ and I was like, I don't know if they have a drummer, but you need to get in contact with these dudes like <laughs> right away because they are incredible. Um, I can't believe I can't find the name of it. Um, but as soon as I do, uh, hold on. How would I find it's, uh, it has something to do with, okay. Ramparts four, one, three ramparts, four, one, three. It says Walmart brand emo math rock, Massachusetts. He literally is dude. It's incredible sounding stuff. And I'm telling you right now, he posts sometimes two, three times a day. Super prolific, really smartly done. And he does something that I think that a lot of people don't do really well is he keeps those kind of like um, twinkly kind of like uh, Midwest emo sound notes on the high strings, but he's able to do the bass notes at the exact same time. And he comes up with these very... They're well-timed and well-planned, and they're really, really, like, when you hear them, I'm like, I can almost, when I hear them, I almost picture a movie scene in my head. Like, that's that's how good they are. They're like, damn, dude, this is, like, some very, like, if there's a part in the movie where someone finds out they have cancer or, like, someone's dying and they're like, this is their dying breath, like, this is, like, it's that kind of, like, wow, this is just fucking phenomenal shit. Like, it's so good. Ramparts 413, that dude. Nice. I'm yeah. going to check it out. So listen, folks, follow us on Instagram, the NE scene. Follow us on Twitter, the NE scene. I, I am tempted to like start raising hell on the Twitter account just to try to get more people to our, <laughs> uh, but I don't, I don't know if I want to do that. We'll, we'll see. I'm on um, my third Twitter account. You have three Twitter accounts now? I just don't know how to use it. And I, I was so confused because you sent me a text the one day and you were like, oh, somebody posted this on Twitter. And then I was like, okay. So I signed up and it was like, hey, just put in- write it, write it down. You, you, you're clogging up Twitter with all your accounts. You keep forgetting <laughs> the name and password of. Yeah. And, I, and you know, the worst part is, and it says like, I, I know I have multiple accounts because you told me you can see them, right? Yes. So like, I, when I go into the page and it says... <laughs> You know, forgot your password, and I type in my email address, and it's like, there's no such Twitter associated with these. I'm like, there has to be. (laughs) I signed up for this for sure. Well, listen, we we have more important things we have to sort out first, so your your many Twitter accounts are going to have to sit there. So listen, follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts. We like that. We love that. We'll read your reviews on the air. Write us at northeastscene at gmail.com. That's northeastscene at gmail.com. We need emails. We want more. We want your experiences. Write us. You know, maybe we'll read it on the air. Who knows? And we want to hear from you. We want you guys to be a part of this thing, too. And um, I don't know. That's all I can think of. Anything else? No, that's it, man. All right, so thanks again to Adam for coming on the show. That was fucking awesome. Thank you, Tommy, uh, for being patient with my many outbursts. It's not actually outbursts. I I wanted to make sure I wasn't being crazy. I think the thing is, is you put it really well, is you were like, consistency is key with this. And if we sound the same, 
We're always producing stuff. Every, you know, every week we have new content. That's what people are attracted to. And that's what people are going to get interested in is like, okay, this is something I can pop on and be entertained by for however you know long they get to listen to whatever their commute is or however long their shift is. And it, you're right though. Like, and it's the, the nice part is, is now is I'm going to get my microphone problem fixed when I, my microphone arrives tomorrow. And, uh, yeah. Next, next week when we record, we will have a brand new sound coming from me. Hopefully, <laughs> it'll be infinitely better than what I have right now. But um, we'll see. Uh, I'm I'm anxiously like I, I'm a little. I'll be honest. I'm a little nervous because in my head I'm going, "All right, I ordered this from Best Buy. This isn't like some hole in the wall place. It's not secondhand from eBay. Like this is going to be a good one." And then in my head I'm going like. If I get this and it's a dud and it doesn't work, Keith is going to fucking lose his mind. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. Yeah, this, all right, before we conclude, listen to how funny Tommy is. Um, he, he ordered a bootleg microphone from eBay. Yeah. So I said, listen, send that back, sell it, whatever. Order the microphone from a legitimate retailer who will ship it in a few days. He's like, got it. No problem. So he orders it from like Tom and Jerry's hole in the wall music store no, in in, Nor- in North Dakota and <laughs> and then it's on back order for 3 weeks and I'm like dude I'm like dude order it I sent him a link I'm from Best Buy I'm like dude order this mic it ships in 2 days like and I did what? I did though but that, that yeah but after seemed, 3 times but that place seemed like here's the thing Steve even vouched for me he's like oh yeah I've ordered stuff from that place it was a reputable place Steve vouched for it he goes I've ordered stuff from there before but yeah it did not like they kept just sending me emails saying like hey it's it's going to be shipped in the next couple of days and then I got another email saying you'll receive your product in 7 to 10 days and it's like what the f- what is going on here so I finally ordered the one from Best Buy, and then I had a, like a screaming match with the guy to try to cancel my order from this other place. And I'm like, he's like, well, it's actually here now. And I'm like, I don't care. Like, it was supposed to be here three weeks ago. And he's like, well, I'm really sorry. It's already in the system. I'm like, I don't, I, I, I'm, I'm telling you this right now. If you send it to me, I'm going to immediately just return it. You have a full return policy. Please just save yourself the aggravation. Cancel the order now. He's like, well, it's already in the system. I can't cancel it. Finally, this is I... like uh, that Seinfeld where Elaine orders the pen and then she gets it oh, from yeah. somewhere else and the guy keeps calling her. And yep. like, yeah, that's no, what I was, was thinking exactly of. Exactly that. But finally, like immediately, <laughs> after I got off the phone with him and I was like, you know, hoarse from like being like, no, stop. Like, <laughs> I, I sent Keith the text. The guy in like, it, it must have been like he was like, all right, just do it like right now because you, within you got five, the money back. Yeah, within five minutes, it was like your PayPal account has been credited with one hundred and thirty-seven dollars. I was like, yes, thank you. <laughs> like, so Tommy's going to have a brand new mic and he's going to sound even better. Yep. And uh, the show will be taken to new heights that no one can measure. Yes. And we will continue growing and being awesome. So listen, uh, keep listening. What can I say? Yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody, and until next time.